For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. The intro says for more than a decade, and that is technically true, but as of next Saturday, it'll be more than 15 years. So that's something you can look forward to on next Saturday's edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And with that, I say good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Winnipeg Jets game day. One more game before the break occurs, a break that I think everybody is looking forward to the players in particular you can tell that they are running on fumes but they got to dig deep one more time this later on tonight against the toronto maple leafs the second half of the home and home series gentlemen good to see you both on this saturday morning we had a lot of fun together with one another and all so many people in the chat or that are regularly in the chat at Boston Pizza on Wednesday. But it's always nice to be back in the home studio so we can talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Good to see you guys on this Saturday morning. Good morning, boys. Yes, I will echo what you said, Drew. We had a great time at BP Taylor on Wednesday night. I think we got a comment here that I can put up from Spency. The ratings, I think, definitely spiked with Spency sitting beside me. We had the GF Liverpool uh, at the table. We had lots of our IC Nation with us, and it was uh, really the only thing that you know wasn't great was the result because obviously you know we're going to talk about it throughout the course of the show. I mean, the Jets effectively shut down the Toronto Maple Leafs until the last minute of overtime, right? Like they killed off all five penalties. And they made players like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and, and Willie Nylander and all the usual, you know, Leafs greats. Uh, they looked them, made them look pretty pedestrian. So I, I think, you know, <laughs> it was a very well-deserved point, Dave. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, you don't get the extra point. But I, I, I still do think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have an asterisk here. I still think goal scoring is a concern. And obviously, you know, we know from from Dave being down at Canada Life Center that, you know, Shifley's not going to be playing tonight. Um, Velarde and Morrissey are going to be game time decisions. I think you boys would agree that, you know, there's a better than 50% chance that at least Morrissey's mm-hmm. going to play. And I, it, I'm kind of leaning towards myself that Velarde's going to be in the lineup if you look at the line yeah. combinations from practice and everything like that. But, you know, they're going to need other players to step up. And, I mean, Kyle Connor only has one goal in, what is it, four games since he came back, and that was an empty netter. Right. And again, I'm not just calling out Kyle Connor because there are other players like, you know, Nino Niederreiter and Alex Iafallo. Cole Perfetti hasn't scored in six games. Um, and, and it's just one game. The Jets are still comfortably, you know, uh, I think in second now in the Central because the Avalanche won last night. But the Jets have, what, three games in hand, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, but they still want to win this game. The Jets are on behind. a bit of a slide, guys. They've lost three of their last five. And we haven't said that in a long time. You're you're right, Ezzy. Look, and I think the team, uh, you know, really wants to end this part of the season. This, you know, if you want, it's not the first half, but you know, the first chunk of the season uh, on a high note in front of their fans. You know, on home ice where they've been very good this year. They've been very good everywhere this year, so it's not really much different one way or another. But it's a Saturday night game. It is the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
you know, they obviously played well on Wednesday and deserved a better result than, you know, just getting the one point in overtime. But I do think it's important for the Jets, Dave, to sort of go out on a high note as as much as they can or, you know, put forth a good enough effort because really you got you can you got 10 days after this. So, this, you know, this is a good sign. You've had a great first 46 games. Make it a great 47 games and that with 31 victories in your in your first 47 games. Go take your 10 days off. Off, get off the ice, relax, everybody heal up as much as you possibly can. And then you really are into the stretch drive for the final 35 tonight. Yeah, there's no question about it. And and look, it, it was a shocking result sitting inside Canada Life yesterday watching the practice and seeing three players in essentially the scratch uniforms. We haven't seen that in light blue. And those were Dominic Coninato, David Gustafson, and Axel Janssen Fielby because it indicated that the Jets were a healthy group. Something we haven't seen, and and uh, you know, as as you mentioned, Mark Shifley didn't isn't going to play tonight, as Rick Bonus confirmed after practice. But it looked like, mm-hmm. based on the line rushes, that Mark Shifley was going to play. But then when it came time to start the power play, uh, Mark Shifley went to the bench, and he was obviously still somewhat hampered by whatever is bothering him. And so as a result, Mark Shifley, uh, you know, and Rick Bonus had somewhat of an extended conversation. Rick Bonus said he didn't injure anything, but he could still feel it. And again, I think that's the prudent, as in one of the words he used, uh, move is to give Mark Shifley that extra, as you just said, Drew, 10 days off. Don't You don't need to do something that's going to you know, give him one game and then cost him a month or two. So so this is the absolutely the smart decision because you need Mark Shifley. As, yeah. as he said, he, look, you're, you're missing your offense. And part of that is because of Mark Shifley's absence, I think, because, you know, I think he brings people in, right, with, with the way he plays. So... Um, there's no question about it that you made, they made the right decision in terms of, of Shifley and as he's right, I mean, Gabriel Velarde and Josh Morrissey both spoke yesterday, usually an indication that a player is going to be available. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they're hedging their bets somewhat and not making it a, a guarantee is because he wants to see how they come in today. Now it's an optional morning skate, which gets underway in about 20 minutes. So we won't necessarily know anything. And Rick bonus may remain in game time decision mode. So as I've already written in the pregame report, which will be out in about 20 minutes as well. The truth is that we may not know until warm-up tonight what the configuration of the lineup is going to be. But ultimately, and that's a long-winded way of giving folks an update as to what's the lineup status for the Jets. But getting back to your original point, Drew, yeah, absolutely. This this team felt... I can't see how this team didn't feel good about their effort on Wednesday. Yeah. And Rick Bonus talked about the lack of offense, which as just mentioned. And he said, listen, we, we gave up opportunities he said there were opportunities that when they watched the video, they even though we talked about the Jets having plenty of opportunities, he felt they gave up opportunities. They felt that they gave up chances that they could have created scoring opportunities in the game on Wednesday. And he's hoping, I suspect, based on the video that they've watched, that they will not give up those chances. And, I, and again, there were a lot of Winnipeggers in the crowd. You could hear the Go Jets, Go Leafs chant in Toronto. It'll be even more crazy because I suspect there'll be a lot of Toronto. It's going to be sold out. There's no question. There'll be a lot of fans in the building. There'll be a lot of Toronto fans. And while folks might not might not like that, it'll create a great atmosphere in the arena. And I think the players will feed off that. And as you said, they're going to want to go in on a high. And I think that they're going to you're going to see a very good effort. We saw a good effort on Wednesday, but I think you're going to see an even better one. And with Gabriel Velarde in the lineup and with Josh Morrissey in for the full lineup. Mm-hmm. Full game, I sorry. I think it'll be a much different game than we saw on Wednesday. 
I, you know, I do sort of feel bad for Mark Schleifer because we know that, you know, he's an Ontario guy and Ontario, I'd say Ontario kid, but he's not a kid anymore. Uh, and, and you know that, you know, playing against the, the Maple Leafs uh, meant something to him. Now, of course, they acted prudently uh, in, in keeping him out of the lineup because to Dave's point, you don't want to you know, rush him back for one game and then lose him for a month or six weeks or anything along those lines. But I do think that it is sort of a little bit of a shame uh, that we're not seeing the full strength Winnipeg Jets tonight you know the last game before uh before the break because really it would have been the first time we've seen the full strength Winnipeg Jets since the second game of the season which is sort of hard to believe you know that you know the Jets sitting here 30 11 and 5 through 46 games have had their full complement of forwards for only two of those 46 games we know that the defense has been healthy uh despite what you know certain broadcasters might have you believe that the jets have been missing guys on the back end which is insanity because they haven't been clearly i mean they lost you know morrissey for the half game uh you know or three quarters of the game on 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 wednesday night but you know it is sort of a a shame but at the same time it's tantalizing that assuming everybody gets out of tonight's game healthy and i you know and and assuming that shifley is feeling good about himself you know when they head back to the to the practice rink basically uh 8 days from now before they head out to pittsburgh on that tuesday game that you know you're going to finally see uh, a full strength, full complement Winnipeg Jets forward. So that's why I would only temper the comments about the offense and maybe the lack thereof just a little bit because we really haven't seen the full strength Jets uh, since the beginning of October, Ezzy. The only problem, fair enough, Drew. The only problem I have with that argument is when Kyle Connor was out of the lineup, the Jets were 12 2 and 2, right? right? And, and so you're not, and, and I'm, not, I'm not taking away from what you're saying. I'm actually agreeing with you, Drew. And what I mean by that is Mark Shifley's importance to this lineup, I think, has really been illustrated these last five games. The Jets have seven goals in the last five games. Mm-hmm. So you can't say it's just a one-off against Toronto. Yes, I mean, guys, we talked about it, right? Like the Adam Lowry, Morgan Barron 2 on O. did anybody think that Ilya Samsonov was going to stop that? I sure didn't. And then he makes that incredible pad save on Barron on the rebound. I mean, the Jets just couldn't buy a goal. Samsonov was a 10 out of 10, A+. plus. Like, he deserved that shutout. And Lauren Brassois was also, I thought, an A-plus in that game. And he obviously only lets one goal with, you know, 45 seconds left or whatever. But you're right, though, Drew, about Shifley not being able to play against the Leafs. And you can say that, you know, that we're, you know, overstating that. They, these guys, the Ontario boys, love playing against the Leafs. They love playing against the Senators. Dave talked about it, not just Sifley, but a guy like Dylan DeMello or Gabe Velarde. You don't think that gives Gabe Velarde a little extra incentive to want to play tonight against the Leaf? Yeah. Leaf? Same thing goes with a guy like Matty Perot. Remember Matty Perot when he was a Jet? He would talk about how special it was to go back to Montreal and play against the Canadians. Right. I'm not sure if you guys saw the ovation Patrick Waugh got. I mean, that, I mean, that's incredible stuff, right? So it matters to these guys, but you know, I, I look at Kyle Connor, and again, like, you know, he's having a, a great season, and obviously he missed whatever it was, 15, 16 games, six weeks or five and a half weeks. Um, but, you know, he hasn't, to me, looked like his old self. Like, he had some scoring chances against the Leafs, Dave. And guys, by the way, I could easily see the Jets popping in five goals tonight. I mean, I'm not that worried about it. All I'm saying is... I think you have to be a little bit worried about it when you're shut out by the Flyers, you're shut out by the Leafs, you only scored two goals on the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Like, 
So, I mean, yes, they miss Shifley, and he's going to be healthy. I think, you, Drew, you mentioned the game against Pittsburgh. I think we most of us assume that he's going to be back by then. I think it would be pretty surprising well, if Shifley it, isn't back after the All-Star break, right? So I don't think anybody's arguing with keeping him out for tonight's game. Like, if he's not 100%, Dave, you don't yeah. play him. If no, and, and a playoff game, he'd be playing. Exactly. Yeah, I would I would say that. That's right. And, you know, Gabriel Velarde was essentially asked the same thing in terms of whatever he's dealing with. And the truth is, as I've been writing about, and as we all know, the, the fact of the matter is nobody is healthy at this point of the year. Everybody is dealing with something, mm-hmm. you know, and whether we know about it, like when uh, Rick Bonus somewhat surprisingly revealed that, you know, Perfetti had a uh, wrist situation. Like, again, we whether whether we know, whether we don't know, most of these guys are dealing with something. But as he's not wrong. I mean, if you remember, if you recall, at one point we were talking about how there was a lot of secondary scoring, right? Dominic Tonnado, Axel Janssen, Fielbi, Morgan Barron, guys were scoring. Mm-hmm. Now they're not. I mean, it's not just Kyle Connor. I mean, as he's right, they they had 16 games without Kyle Connor. They sure scored a lot of goals during that time. It wasn't like they were winning one nothing. So the fact of the matter is, the Jets are not scoring right now as a team. Now again, they're still playing good hockey. That was a good hockey game they played on Wednesday. So nobody's taking that away from them. But you also can't tell us that they're they're scoring as often because they're not it's just it's it's a statement of fact and and again like i said we don't we don't state these facts to hurt your feelings they're just the truth so ultimately you need that i mean as he's right it was a testament to what we talked about and you can go back and listen to those shows you know a month ago three weeks ago we were talking about the fact that the jets up and down the lineup you know alex iafalo Vladimir they were scoring. Need a rider, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so without without those guys, again, it's not just Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and you're like and Nikolai Ehlers. Of course, you need those guys. Those are your big dogs. You need them to be, uh, you know, pulling the wagon. But 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 ultimately, or I guess if they're dogs, they're pulling a sled, not a wagon. But the reality the reality is that you have to have scoring up and down. And so we'll see we'll see what happens with the the lineup today. I again, and, and I boys, think, they'll get a huge boost if Gabe Velarde plays, which we expect Gabe Velarde to play. Like, that can't be understated, right? Dave, like, he's hungry. And I think, I think, you know, and again, it goes back to, I was kind of pushing back on Drew there, which is fine. That's what we like to do on the IC Hockey Show. Mm-hmm. But they just they push me all the time physically. They just start shoving me when I'm not <laughs> expecting it. It's really it's, rude. It's one thing, guys, to have one of Shifley or Velarde out or yeah. one of you know, Shifley or Connor out. But when you have both of those guys out, mm-hmm. I think what you've seen is that really kind of throws the, the line combinations off. Like, I think it's, you know, we, you know, we talked to, um, who did we have on last week? I forget. Uh, Polly Edmonds. We talked to Polly Edmonds about Dom Toninato. Like the fact that, you know, he started the season with the Moose Dave and then, you know, because of injuries, he's been centering the third line. I think you got to give him a ton of respect. I mean, obviously you're not expecting a lot of goals out of Dom Toninato centering the third line. That's a, a checking role. You want him to win some faceoffs and just play responsible defensive hockey, right? Mm-hmm. But when you don't have Shifley and Velarde, okay, well now, you know, Lowry's got to play first line center. I thought it was really interesting too, guys. Sorry, going on a bit of a tangent. I thought it was really interesting when Rick Bonus yesterday was asked about Velarde playing center. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just, uh, you know, this is a verbatim, but basically said that Velarde is more comfortable on the wing. And, you know, at the beginning of the season... You know, you forget, we thought Cole Perfetti was going to be the second-line center, but then it was revealed that he's dealing with wrist issues. So I have to think, guys, that Perfetti at center is not an option either, you know, primarily probably because, you know, taking face-offs is not going to be a strength of his. No, I, I think, as he, I think, just sorry, Drew, just quickly, I think ultimately today, I think we still see Lowry up at the top, Nemesnikov, uh, 
Toninato and Kupari in some configuration there because that would be my guess is what they're going to do uh, with the with the center depth. So again, it's kind of illustrating to me that the Jets need to address that issue. I think they still, again, we like Vlad Nemestikov, but I mean, you like Vlad Nemestikov pushed down a little bit. If he has to jump up a game or two, you, you're you okay with that. But ultimately, this this little stretch and not having Mark Shifley for today being his sixth straight game, I think it's illustrating to the to Kevin Sheveldayoff the need. The defense is held up, right? You're not giving up. Mm-hmm. You're not being blown out by the in these games. You're not losing games. You're not getting caved in in games, you know, but... It, it, your scoring is dried up. And I think it's it's another indication. And obviously, we're not going to spend too much time doing trade deadline stuff. But I think it is another indication that you really do need that that 2C uh, in this lineup to help offset things. And if you have an injury, that's impactful. But if not, again, it's all about depth, right? Shifley, question mark, Lowry, Nemestikov. That's a 4C uh, configuration, in theory, based on whoever that 2C is going to be. It, right. That's going to make it, you a much deeper team. I, I I would agree with that, and look, that's obviously where the Jets, I think, priority will be come trade deadline is shoring up the offense, the defense. You know, well, in which you, you see comments that the defense isn't good enough and, and everything else. But look, you might not be able to fix everything at the trade deadline. So, in an ideal world, would you want a top four right side D to maybe bump down Neil Pionk? Yeah, I think the Jets probably would. Might they be exploring that? Yeah, I'm sure they're probably exploring it, probably having conversations because we know Kevin Sheveldayoff loves to have conversations. But at the, you know, when you take a, you know, a step back and you really look at what is priority number one for the Jets, I would agree that it probably is up the middle. You just don't necessarily have, remember, you know, the season started. And, you know, two guys that you thought would be options up the middle were Gabe Velarde and Cole Perfetti. And the team and the brass has decided that both of those guys are better suited to be wing players. And that's fine. You know, I'd rather they they stop trying to hammer, uh, you know, a square peg into a round hole if it doesn't fit. If those guys are are improving your team on the wing, well, wing depth is also is, is also important. The Jets have a fairly significant amount of wing depth, not to say they can't increase that as well. But I think it's priority for the Jets is clearly a defensively responsible, legitimate top six center. And I don't believe, and I know we're not going to delve deep into the into the trade deadline. Let's delve, I, Drew. Go for well, it. We can we can delve if we want. I don't believe it's one of the names that you've heard bandied about. I don't think it's going to be one of those guys that you've heard talked about, you know, uh, more than the others, because the Jets seem to always sort of strike covertly when it comes to the trade deadline, when they're real. Think about it. I mean, go back the last number of years. Start with Paul Stasny. The Jets, nobody talked about Paul Stasny as an option at the nope. trade deadline. nobody I don't remember Kevin Hayes' name being bandied about that much either. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Nino Niederreiter last year, that one sort of came as a surprise. Same with yep. Vlad Nemesnikov. So the Jets are pretty good at, you know, going under the radar of the insiders and striking at guys who might you might not necessarily think of or have not necessarily been at the forefront of conversations. And I think that's, that, that's a, a boon to uh, Kevin Shovel day off and everything else. So just, you know, don't necessarily expect it to be uh, the names that are bandied about. I see Atomic has Adam Henrique up there, and we've heard his name yeah. a little Forward bit. Devil. He makes a lot of money, but Adam Henrique knows how to win in this league. Uh, he's, you know, he's been around, and he's, you know, I know he's playing yeah. on Anaheim now, and Anaheim uh, charitably isn't very good. But that would be a guy that I think would, you know, I don't know that he's a number two center, though. 
know, I, I think he helps the Jets, but I think he's more still, uh, you know, a bit of a tweener when it comes to uh, yeah. comes to that position there. Sure, uh, fair it. enough. I mean, there's a lot of names out there, Drew. I mean, we've talked about those names over the last two or three weeks, right? Like when it's when it's you know, if you're looking at the top of the trade bait board, Elias Lindholm is a flashy name, obviously, right? Like I've seen Claude Giroux's name out there. The only thing with Claude Giroux is like, you know, he's having a decent year for Ottawa, but I think he has six point five million dollars AAV for one more year. Right. I, I'm just not sure if 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 Chevy wants that contract for next year. Maybe he does. I have no idea. But we had a comment up earlier. It's going to be less expensive to acquire a second line center versus uh, you know a top four defenseman. Obviously, mm-hmm. depends who you're talking about. Like the guy I really covet is Brock Nelson, and I have no idea if Brock Nelson's available. But Brock Nelson, to me, Dave, has just been consistent year after year after year. Like mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that you can just pencil in for you know, 55 to 70 points, good face-off guy, reliable defensively. But I don't know if Lou Lamorello – well, first of all, the Islanders are in a play uh, a playoff race. Yeah. Like they're, they're not in a wild-card spot right now. They're chasing Toronto yeah, and they're chasing – But they're they're five po- they're, they're four points back, and so it's an uphill battle I'm just, for them. Uh, no, but I'm just saying you can't say they're out of it at right. this point. Like, you just can't. Maybe maybe a month from now, Drew, you can. But right. I'm just saying, you know, Brock Nelson from War Road, obviously, you know, near the – uh, American-Canadian border. You can't discount the Minnesota connection, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Brock Nelson, but I agree with you, Drew. I, I think, you know, if you look at, you know, nobody saw the Nino Niederreiter for a second-round pick coming, right? right? Yeah. And nobody saw the Paul Stastny trade coming. Kevin Hayes, that was a little bit more predictable, right? Like, And that obviously didn't work out. But, I mean, there might be a name that, you know, that Chevy you know, has, uh, you know, a heart around on his big board in his office. <laughs> and that's the guy Chevy's going to be... Um, you know, focusing on, but, you know, for me, like, like, you know, someone mentioned um, the avalanche signed Zach Parise. He actually had a quiet 21 goal season at the age of 38. You guys know he's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, A chip off the old block of JP Parise, right, Dave? Um, But like, I I think that's what you're probably focusing on if you're Chevy, especially with what's happened over the last five games. We talked about it. The Jets have only scored seven goals in five games without Shifley. So I think that has probably shown Chevy Rick Bonus, everybody else on in the Jets organization that, yeah, they could probably use some reinforcements up the middle. And I'm I'm with you, Drew. I mean, we can have that argument. Is Adam Henrique, you know, really an improvement over over Vlad Nemestikov? Well, I I think he I is an improvement. I, over is, it, Vlad is, it enough, is it enough to turn the Jets okay, into, hold on. into a Stanley Cup favorite? I've got a Minnesota connection though, Ezzy, that I'll offer you as a as another one. What about Casey Middlestat from uh from Buffalo? Buffalo. I've I mean, seen he's Middlestat's. On, he, the only problem with that, Dave, is uh, like I, I like Middlestat, I just don't yeah. know if he's available. No, 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 I agree with you, because but I think Bruins, I, he's 25 years old. He's a former yeah. first round pick. Yeah, eighth overall, uh, I think. He's a Minnesota boy. Yep. Yeah. I just don't know if he's available. But yes, yeah. put I put me in the in the Casey Middlestat fan club, Dave. Yeah. If the Jets can get him. That's an upgrade, and he could be your two C. So, no, yeah, Middlestat, for sure. Middlestat's and again, a real good hockey player. And again, I, I I guess before I threw out the name, I should have looked at the the Sabers cap friendly uh, situation to see what exactly his contract looks Two like. Two and a half before. million this year, and he's an RFA next year. Yeah, I mean, look, he's going to cost you a lot. There's no question about it. But Buffalo, again, I mean, I mean, the, most teams are loath to trade trade centers of that. Spencey that, thinks you should aim higher, by the way, and go for top stat, not just middle. Ah, uh, <laughs> middle stats a little too. He's a little too mid, as the kids like to say. But Look, I, I think Middlestad is uh, is the kind of player that a little bit under the radar. I'm saying, going to cost you because again, he's still got some control, team control there. But but ultimately, I think he's look, he's on pace for, I think uh, about 25 goals this year, or something like he's at 12, I think right now. 
but he's he could have a you know again he's having a good season in Buffalo who is not having a very good season so uh, he's more of I'm just trying to say an under the radar type of of center uh, that could fit in in this group and again remember this as as you highlighted that comment Ezzy you're not just trying to win for this year this group is clearly in the win for the next few years and I think they don't have look even though they're they're training Brad Lambert to be a center. I'm not suspecting that Brad Lambert's going to come up and be the 2C next year. And if that's the plan, fine, that's the plan. But I'm saying that, you know, if you're you're in a win mode, yeah. that's for winning now. And so... Middlestad is a guy that you most likely have to give up a late first rounder for and a prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. think even more, because you still have him under yeah. team control to some degree. Yeah. He might even be... I think, you know, I, he wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, we know what the going rate for a UFA tends to be, a pending mm-hmm. UFA. It tends to be that late first rounder and maybe not an A prospect, but, you know, a B prospect, something along that. I mean, I think it was, who was it? Eric Foley the Jets gave up uh, for Paul Stasny? Memory drew. <laughs> And, yeah. and, wow. and and that, you know, and then his, his career, unfortunately, was derailed by concussion yeah. issues yes. and injury issues. Yeah, so he the, never, uh, he never turned. Yeah, that was that, is that in, a, in that tournament that they have in, uh, in the upper peninsula of Detroit or Michigan, City, sorry. The Traverse City yeah. tournament, the Prospects yeah. tournament. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, obviously really unfortunate that his career uh, as a result was derailed. But that's sort of what, you know, that's the going rate for a pending UFA. For a guy who's still under team control, I also don't know why Buffalo would trade middle stat. How does that, I don't know how that makes well, him any better. That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, up the yeah. middle, uh, you know. No, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying that you're, no, I know you're, you're not. I, know I just meant more of a guy who's a little bit not necessarily being mentioned by the insiders, I've he's seen a little his name up. out there, Dave. No, yeah. you, you're right to bring that up. You're absolutely right to bring that up. Look, I think we're going to be having this conversation for the next five weeks, six weeks. <laughs> yeah, should no, I love it, Dave. This is the best time of year. Uh, yeah, I think true. every time's the best time. Of it's year it's better. Talk. It's better to talk about from a Jets fans' perspective. It's better to talk about this than it is to talk about who the team has to sell because well, they're, exactly. they're not and going you know anywhere fast. Like I think that's the conversation we're going to be having, and and that's the conversation Huss and Remus are going to be having on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Our friends Kenny and Rennie, they're going to be talking about this. And I, I put me in the camp of, I do think the Jets should give up a first round pick. I look at the NHL guys, and it's just as wide open as it's ever been. No just question. look at the Eastern Conference wild card race. You've got like six teams in there right now uh, battling for a wild card race. It doesn't, I mean, including the Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way, mm-hmm. who are currently in a wild card spot, I believe. Yeah, um, they are. So I, I do think the Jets should trade a first round pick to upgrade their center position. So whether that's whether that's Casey Middlestat, you know, whether that's Sean Monaghan, obviously, who I know some Jets fans are not as high on. Um, but I do think that, you know, the Jets should give up a first round pick if it significantly, you know, makes them better at the 2C spot. The other name I would mention, and just a bit of throwaway because we have to go to break because Christian Amell from CJOB is going to join us. Nick Schmaltz out of Arizona. The Coyotes have fallen out of the race. Yep. Schmaltz still has a couple years left on his contract. He's on the all Delhi team, Drew. Yes, the all Delhi team, the all the all fat team, uh, you know, if you will, you know, five point eight five million. I mean, he's a Wisconsin kid, uh, so him and Mason Appleton would have something to talk about. Uh, but there's another name that has sort of been slightly talked about. You know, there's obviously, you know, the, you get some team control there. You got a contract. He's got a modified no trade clause. But you do wonder if Arizona continues to fall off. Uh, you know, or I guess the Utah Coyotes, if they begin to fall off, what happens with uh, Nick Schmaltz potentially? Yeah, I think it's a good point. Schmaltz is a good player, obviously played at UND. We know there's a connection between the Jets organization uh, and UND just being so close. Yeah. And also, boys, you forget, I won the big Nick Schmaltz signed jersey at the Rady dinner last year for 200 bucks. So I can wear that if they acquire Nick Again, Schmaltz. How about Juan, meaning he paid for. That's that, that's the, you know, what Juan is what Ezzy meant well, there. So there auction. you go, Ezzy. I won yeah. it. 
It's true. You did win it by paying for it. And now Come on, Drew, I have to. I don't win a lot. Okay. I mean, it's I have true. To, you take the win. Take, take a W where get. you take a W where you can, as you take a W where you can. Uh, Christian Amell from CJOB is up next. Uh, we'll have the latest on morning skate from the downtown arena. Much more to come. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're all about the Jets and the Leafs on this Saturday morning. Welcome back. Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. Later on tonight, after the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs, Dave Manouk and yours truly will drive the bus on the Illegal Curve post-game show, talking about everything that happens in tonight's contest in downtown Winnipeg. It's an optional morning skate, as uh, Rick Bonus indicated it would be yesterday. Mark Shifley is taking part in the optional morning skate. So still no, not expected to see Mark Shifley playing for the Jets tonight, but he's back on the ice yet again. Back on the show yet again from CJ. OB and he's brought his cat with him as we expected and wanted him to do so it's our good friend Christian Amel Christian good morning how are things in your world things are good uh Sully's here with me because he is he's not allowed to sleep with us so he gets his cuddles in once I get up he's very clingy right now and he's hopefully gonna just chill here for a while uh I am uh I'm looking out the window it looks a little snowy but hey it's and of January, and we've got a big game tonight between the Jets and Leafs that I wish I could go to, but I can't because I've got other obligations. Christian, I, I don't know what I like. Sorry, Drew. I don't know what I like better. I don't know if I, I like that you're doing your best Dr. Evil import impersonation with the cat right now or that Manitoba hoodie because I love both of them. Well, I'm glad I can uh, tick both boxes for you, Ezra. Uh, I'm impressed as a pet owner myself that you manage that you have the uh, diligence and the uh, strength of your convictions to keep uh, Sully from sleeping uh, with you at night. Well, when I lived by myself, he did. Okay. But now that I moved in with somebody that has several dogs, uh, it, this is their house, right? Okay. So uh, Sully does not get to sleep with the several dogs. It took a long time for him to even get used to the dogs. It took over a year. So he at first didn't love it. And some nights he does wake me up in the night, but He's gotten used to it. He's a good boy during the night. During the day, that he becomes a little bit difficult sometimes. Do the dogs get to sleep on the bed? Uh, one of them does. One uh. of them tries to sometimes, and then gets kicked off. And uh, they've two of them got. There's three dogs. Two of them have their own bed, and then there's a tiny little dachshund that runs the show. She gets to sleep in the bed, and for someone who takes up this much space, she. <laughs> Ruins my life sometimes at night. It's great. <laughs> Christian, all I know is I watched that Netflix documentary, and I'm not sure if you've seen that one, but I, I know enough about cats to know that you don't F with cats. Uh, yes, I have not seen it, um, but I already knew that because I got my own that taught me all I need to know. There you go. Moving away from uh, the barnyard, uh, we go to the, uh, I guess, the human barnyard. That is the downtown arena as the Jets and the Leafs will do battle later on tonight. You know, Christian, we sort of spent the first 30 minutes or so of the show talking about the Jets offense and really the lack thereof over the last number of games, which has coincided with Mark Shifley, of course, being out of the Jets lineup. You know, how... What would your level of concern be about the Jets' offensive struggles as of late? Do you think that this is something that is a, a significant worrying trend, or just sort of a byproduct of all the injuries and everything else that they've been uh, that they've been dealing with over the last couple of weeks? Part of me wants to be concerned, but you almost can't be until everybody's back. I think what we've 
been reinforced with is that when the top line isn't there, it's going to be hard to score. I think that's probably true for a lot of teams in the NHL, though. And so you look at what this team will look like with Shifley, Velarde, and Morrissey on it. Yeah, it's better. But you go back to, and over the course of six games, back to even when Shifley was still out there, that game against Chicago, they scored two goals, and it took them almost the whole game to do it. And then Philadelphia, they didn't score. Uh, Islanders, yeah, they got four. Now the injuries start happening. They get two in Ottawa, barely. They get one in Boston. They get none in Toronto. Nine goals in six games, and four of them were against the Islanders. So, And they just fired their coach right after that. <laughs> so the cat's back. Uh, it's He's trying to get out of the room. One moment. I'm going to let him out of the room here because he's trapped in here. Go. Get. You want to go? There you go. Uh, I We do the same with Ezzy, by the way. That's, the, that's also how we get rid of Ezzy. Oh, the door's closing. Yeah, there you go. I think it is – I think you are you should be ready to be worried, and I think it's fair to to wonder, hmm, okay, are we going to have to win every game 2-1 forever? Because that's a little bit tense if you're a Jets fan. They've done it a lot this year for sure. But this team's strength is their defense. It, it has been the whole year, uh, save for those first few games where there are goals galore. But when this team is dialed in, it's winning 3-1. So goals aren't necessarily their strength. I think it's to look ahead to the second half of the part after the all-star break. If it's five or six games and they're still only scoring two or goals a game, then yeah, it's time to start worrying, especially if Shifley and, and everyone is back and they should be by then. But right now I think just be on alert, not worried quite yet. Well, I like what you said, Christian, about, you know, the team winning those 2-1 games and, you know, the defensive side of the game being their forte because it's something really that even if you go back to 2018, and I feel like here in Winnipeg, I think you would agree that we're constantly going back to 2018. Like, that's when we had our hit. Like, that was our number one hit, you know, that type of thing. That's when I had Um, hair. Exactly. Well, a little (laughs) bit. But, you know, in 2018, this was a very different team. I mean, there's no Dustin Bufflin. There's no Patrick Lyon. It's not It's not as flashy a team, I would argue, right? Um, so we really haven't seen the Jets have, you know, play that type of, you know, I don't know, Dallas Stars hockey or that type of, like, New Jersey Devils in the late 90s, early 2000s. Sorry, my apologies, Christian. I'm a Devils fan. I have to use them as a comparable. Um, but, like, isn't that a positive sign if you're a Jets fan that even though, as you mentioned, they've only scored nine goals in their last six I think I said last segment, it's uh, seven goals in their last five since Shifley's been out. Isn't that something that you're looking at and you're saying, okay, well, you know, we're not scoring goals right now. We know that Shifley and Velarde are out, but we're still, we haven't changed how we've played defensively. You look at last game, like did did Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or Willie Nylander really do anything in the first three periods? It really wasn't until overtime where, where those guys like woke up. It's true. That's the silver lining of what we saw on Wednesday night is that this defensive structure is still just rock solid. And part of that is this is just their full identity and they've bought in completely. You got to appreciate that as a Jets fan to say, Oh my God, this team is really hard to play against. Even when they they're not scoring, they're still not out of these games, right? They didn't score a goal against Toronto and they almost took it to a shootout. Ilya Samsonov was was really good in that game. The Ottawa game, they weren't very good, and they still won. The Chicago game, they weren't very good, and they still won. 
and there's there's an, an admiration I have for this team that we haven't seen in years past where they just they're never out of a hockey game. They never quit. Even against Boston when they were clearly the second best team that night. It's still 2-1 for a very long time, right? There's, you never know. One shot can bank in off somebody. But I, I do think that the team identity is very clear now. It's taken some years to, to wonder what on earth this team was, right? The last number of years kind of weren't sure. Um, and it's, I think it's fair to compare it to 2018 because that's that's the glory days right now, right? And it's six years ago now on a very different team. It was a different coach. Drew, play Bruce Springsteen glory days right now, please. I don't because it would cost us on YouTube. Yes. We get some sort of uh, Christian. We need Kyle us. Milroy right now. That's what we need. Okay. Yeah. Well, on radio, we can play I, whatever we want. I can sing it. Would you like me to sing glory days? I, I mean, you know, that might you know plummet our audience a little bit. Yeah, it, I mean, it was so much fun, that playoff run, right? And we all want that again as, as people that cover the team that are around the city. It's just a lot of fun in the city when, when the Jets are on a run like that. And it's, it, they could do it again. It's just going to be such a different style. But again, different coach, a lot of different personnel. The defense is almost completely different. Josh Morrissey's still there, but no one else is, right? <laughs> and then up front, line has gone. Ehlers is older. Wheeler's gone. The bottom six is basically Lowry. And everyone else is different, so... There are some holdovers, but the main guys are are mostly different. And so you got Shifley and, and Connor and Morrissey and Lowry that, and others that can look back and, and remember that. But it almost has no bearing on, on what we have going this year, does it? It does not. Christian Amell from CJOB is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg are with you later tonight. The Illegal Curve postgame show following the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs right around 9 p.m., maybe a few minutes before then. Christian wanted to ask you, we were discussing before you jumped on with us, the uh, prospect of the Jets making a trade. And if the Jets are making a trade, what is their bigger need, a 2C or a top four right D? What do you see it as? I think it's I think it's 2C because I know that the Jets have not had any injuries on defense and you feel like it might happen at some point. Josh Morrissey is probably going to play today, and so he ends up missing one game. And if he doesn't play today, that's that's two games. But the fact that I always read into the fact that when you know he and Velarde spoke to the media yesterday, I read into that that they're going to play and be fine. So I think he's going to be all right. Thank goodness. But I I just think they've got enough back there that yeah, you can add. Sure, it would be I think more of a a luxury that a must have compared to what they have in terms of their secondary scoring. I think the, well, as I mentioned, the defense of this team is their strength, right? Mm -hmm. And making strength even stronger, understand that idea, but you also need to score goals to win in hockey. So do they have enough right now against Colorado and Dallas and Edmonton Vegas in best of seven series against those teams, potentially Vancouver, depending on how things go three rounds, there's upsets, there's not upsets. I think that second line center, we saw it in 2018 to make the comparison again, Paul Stastny came in and was just a huge, huge difference maker between two very young players in line A and Ehlers. And now you just think, okay, you bring in whoever it is, right? It's going to be high competition for someone like Elias Lindholm. I'm not sure the Jets can, can put up a bid that can, can match the, the avalanche or the Bruins. Maybe they can, but if someone like that, that can win you face-offs, that can set up guys, if it is Perfetti and 
Ehlers on that second line, you just think, okay, well then, you know, Lowry, Niederreiter, Appleton is line three, Baron, Nemesnikov, whoever is line four, that, that seems pretty. AJF. Yeah. You think AJF's the guy? Okay. I mean, I, I've really I have a soft spot for Axel Johnson Fialbi. I just think he always does something out there. I realize that, you know, he's not a, you know, an accomplished goal scorer or anything like that. I just think he's a great, like, kind of fourth-line energy player. But you're right. I mean, the Jets have lots of options on the fourth line. Dom Toninato, I have no problem with him on the fourth line either. Yeah, though they've got options there. But it's about the second line, I think, and, and how you can make that the best it can be. Because we know when we've seen in the like nine minutes we've seen of Velarde, Connor and Shifley, mm-hmm. it's been very strong and, and they have the full belief that that is their top line. And they've talked a lot bonus has at least about how that they, they're, they're waiting to see them together on the power play to see if that fixes what's wrong with that unit. But then you have Ehlers, uh who a lot of people want to get more ice time, but if he is your second line winger, they have to play him like a second line winger and not a third line winger, which is what the minutes have shown when he's not on that top line. If you have that boosted second line center, then you can probably actually play that line more than they have been able to right now. And and so I think that's their number one need. The fact that they have cap space that other teams don't have, I think is, is their weapon. They have prospect options too. Uh, up front, there's a few untouchables on the back end. I wouldn't want to trade Hanela, but you know, that, that is available. I don't know what you can get for Logan Stanley, Declan Chisholm. There's these guys that are just sitting in the press box all the time. And I, I just don't know if, if defense is the, I, I, if you, I was to rank them, it's the second line center. It's that right hand second pairing defenseman. If you can get both sweet, but <laughs> I think if you have to just pick one, I'd go with the center first. You know, I, I was going to, you know, we talk about, you know, sort of the, the offensive struggles and the, this team being a defensively elite team, Christian, in 2024, can you win the Stanley Cup by really being average offensively but elite defensively? Or do you need better than average when it comes to the offense? Because, I mean, the Jets are elite defensively. No question about that so far, at least in the regular season. Is that enough, though, uh, with, uh, you know, assuming the, the, the offense just stays sort of mid? I think it can be, but I just, I think year by year it can, it can change, right? I think we're in a rush to say, oh, wait, this is how they won the cup. Well, everyone go do that now. Right. Everybody needs a bunch of trees like the Vegas Golden Knights uh, playing defense. The cat is alive, Granny Bobber fan, just so you know. He is, he's, <laughs> he's just staring out the window. Uh, it's, it's probably something where i mean you look at vegas right yeah they had the trees they scored a decent amount but also it was so hard to play against them mm-hmm. we saw that with the jets uh we saw that uh, how they just ground down the dallas stars eventually in that third round and then you can go back and okay there's colorado and how they won the cup and tampa bay how they won the cup it's not necessarily size right because colorado's defense isn't big mm-hmm and so people want to rush and say, "Oh, the Jets are too small defensively." I don't think I don't think size honestly is that big a deal. I think it's structure. I think it's stick and Christian. With... You're a tall guy, and so I, I mean that's tall. that's coming from you. you you've got the height, right? I know. I'm a first, sometimes second pairing beer league defenseman at the Highlander. I would know, of course. Uh-huh. I would. But uh, I, I, I think they have the defense to do it. I do worry though. We've seen it enough times this year where they're struggling to win because they cannot score. 
they have won a lot of those games, which is the most important thing. But against someone of the caliber of Colorado or Dallas, they've beaten Colorado twice. They haven't beaten Dallas yet and have looked. It's been really hard for them to score against Dallas so far this year. I think they need a little bit more offense, but they've, if you can prevent the other team from scoring, guess what? <laughs> you don't need to score able, that many. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be able to go far. I, I, it's not like it's the devils of the of the 90s and early 2000s and the clutch and grab era of of the late 90s, which I watched some of during COVID. And God, it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> that hockey was bad. But, Wasn't COVID bad enough? You just you, were you really just yeah, trying to punish I, yourself I, further? Well, you, you I know? mean, I was I was seven when. Dallas Stars won the cup. So I wanted to go back and actually legit watch it. It's all on YouTube. Right. Man, it's rough to watch compared to now. Oh boy. It's fast now. But I digress. Yes. I defensively, I think they have what it takes. But yeah, I I guess this brings me us back to the first question you asked me is if I'm worried about the offense. And I think long term maybe I am. Yeah, and I, I think you make a good point. And and really I think what you said earlier um about 2C, I mean, that's why I think to to Drew's question. I mean, that's why I think most of us agree that the Jets need an upgrade at 2C to get a little bit more offense. Like, I think Vlad Nemesnikov, I think most of us would agree, yeah, he's in a bit of a goal-scoring slump right now. Um, but he's been great uh, in terms of, you know, what the Jets paid to acquire him and the fact that he can really play on any single line. Like, you could put you could put him as the first-line center. Uh, and that's why he's right now between Ehlers and Perfetti, right? So I agree with you. I think once Shifley's back, once Velarde's back, once the Jets are fully healthy, I, I don't think we're going to be talking about this. And, you know, I don't think Drew necessarily, um, you know, I, I, you can't win the Stanley Cup scoring one or two goals every game. I mean, like you said, this isn't 20 years ago. Um, and, and Christian, I wanted to ask you about Rick Bonus because I thought there was a really good article written mm-hmm. by Paul Friesen about Rick Bonus and what he said last year after the Jets were defeated by the Golden Knights in five games. And we all remember that. And we all remember, you know, play, players like Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler coming out and speaking to the media. And they were, let's be honest, they were not happy. I mean, that's putting it, you know, I think, uh, charitable, gen- gently. Yeah. Um, they were unhappy. But I guess my question is, like, <laughs> is that not an indication that that message was, was received and that Rick Bonus really does have his grip on this team? Because we've seen the results. You know, we're 45 plus games into the season. Jets are one of the best, if not the best, defensive teams in the league. Um, and, you know, they're competing for a president's trophy, let alone, you know, first in the central. So obviously, you know, Rick Bonus, uh, what he said, that got through to the players and they came back after the summer with kind of a, a renewed vigor, um, you know, for the upcoming regular season. And he got through to the players that are still here. Right. I, 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 Rick Bonus has kind of been doing the media tour lately. I heard him on 32 Thoughts. He was on Ray and Dregs as well. And I I listened to both of those yesterday. It's like, oh, they both got bonus. Okay. But I thought, because we hear him all the time, and is there anything I'm going to learn from hearing him on these shows? But he really uh, made it clear the fact that players stuck around, Shifley and Connor. Hellebuck signing those contracts, the Dubois trade, the the haul from the Dubois trade, I think really set in stone the camaraderie in the locker room of guys wanting to be here. And and you wonder really how much of an impact it was that you know Dubois talked about not wanting to sign long term and was kind of taking nights off, 
Can we say that down the stretch last year? I mean, we're seeing it he's, in Los Angeles right now. He's taking a season off in LA so far. Yeah, they're they're an absolute mess right now. And and then yeah. Blake Wheeler too, right? His leadership in the locker room was a very different style, and he's gone now. And and you wonder how that impacts the buy-in of this team because it's clear they have bought all the way in on Rick Bonus's structure. It has taken some time, right? One full season of it wasn't enough. And Dubois and Wheeler are gone. And now you bring in full season of Nita Ryder and Nemestikov, who seem tailor-made for a bonus system. Hence, Nemestikov has been in it before. You've got Velarde and Ayafalo coming in, two guys with really well-rounded metrics defensively. And that just completely changes. That's that's four forwards. That's a quarter of your forward core that is just better defensively than you had before, especially with Dubois and Wheeler, whose defensive numbers weren't great. Uh, Dubois, uh, I think Dubois' two-way game was was not really what I think sometimes his reputation was. Right. And And so I think that's a huge part of what we've seen this year. And just more time to get used to it for sure. We saw at the start of the season, it was rough and then something clicked. And since November, they just aren't giving up goals. I really do believe that the, the change in personnel meant a lot. And I think getting the, the re-signing of or, uh, Hellebuck and Shifley really, really cemented it here for bonus to be like, all right, we've got this group now and they're all pulling on the same rope and, and bonus has done a really good job in making that happen this year. Christian, we've been focused on the special teams for for quite a you know a number of weeks, months, whatever it's been, because they haven't been very good. The Jets have been you know in the bottom uh, third of the league in both power play and penalty kill. The penalty kill now we're seeing it; it's improved significantly, and I think it's probably very important, obviously, and it just kind of fits with the Jets' idea of defensive structure, right? They've gone, they've improved. I think they're twentieth right now overall. At one point, I think they were twenty seventh in the NHL. We know how hard it is when you've gone basically a third or a half of the season and your numbers are in the tank to get them back to respectability. But do you see, and Rick Bonus has talked about the need to have, you know, the, the full band back together, which we haven't seen since game two, but do you think the power play when they do, because the one thing I'm curious to know, and I guess we could ask Rick Bonus this question, are you happy with the structure? And it, he's not going to malign his personnel and say, well, they're not up to the task, but is it that the structure is good and he just doesn't, they don't have the, talent level to execute it or is it something else so from your perspective do you see that the power play could get back on track once he's got Shifley, Velarde, Ehlers and that whole gang back together the biggest issue I see with the power play has been stagnancy it, it, it seems like it's not dynamic when when they're out there I mean and we haven't, sure, we haven't seen Connor, Shifley, and Velarde all at the same time. We've seen a lot of Connor and Shifley, though. And they've been out there together for years on that top power play unit. And I've, I've said this before on our airwaves, that it just, for me, it seems like when the puck gets to Shifley, it kind of just stops. There's, you look around at the ice, there's not the fluidity of, not just the puck, but the, the people on the ice. I think you need to have more movement of personnel, right? Keep that unit going and, and keep the defense moving. Because if you're just cycling the puck around, you're not really making the defense work all that hard. You're not trying to crack that structure because the Jets have had such a tough time getting pucks through on the power play. Just passing it around uh, to get a shot blocked or go wide and then 
it's cleared once. That's just not working. They're losing a lot of power plays on the face-off that, or, or power play face-offs. They get it cleared once. They have a lot of trouble setting it back up again. So getting they, they've had Lowry out in the first unit just to win face-offs before. And then he goes off the ice. That's not great. So that's a problem that isn't solved by Shifley, Velarde, and Ehlers all, or, and Connor all out there at the same time. So there is a bit of execution problems there. But I do wonder, okay, are we going to see more fluidity of, of personnel and more dynamism when they're all out there? And you've also got Velarde, who's undoubtedly the best net front presence this team has. And to have a good power play, I think you need that great hands in and around the net. We have seen very little chaos around the net on the Jets power play for some time now. And I, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like when all three are out there, perhaps against Pittsburgh, February 6th or 8th, whatever day it is that they're, they're back again. But I, I don't know if that's going to just magically be the elixir that solves this power play. You know, Christian, uh, obviously tonight after tonight, they go on the break. They have the all-star break. They have the bye week. And then you've got really 35 games. you got that stretch run where it's really, you know, the, the competition ramps up and uh, the games get harder to play. Uh, you know, when we know that they sort of wilted last year uh, right around this time. And I don't expect that to happen this year. From your perspective, if you had to identify one sort of regular on the roster that you want to see more from, over the final 35 games or so. Who would that be in your mind? Hmm. It's a tough one. Uh, mm-hmm. I I, I want to see just players healthy, first of all, right? I, I, I really do want to see what it looks like when Shifley, Connor, and, and Velarde are out there because we just haven't seen that since... Mm-hmm. Second game of the year. Yeah, like they just haven't played together, so... In terms of wanting more, I mean, those players have all done a lot when they're out there. Ehlers has done a lot already. Um, Perfetti, I, I, he, he's going to have streaks. He's so young, right? He's still fresh in this league. And so he's had he had that big goal-scoring streak earlier in the season. He's gone a little cold now. But part of that, too, is is how who he's playing with, right? He's, he's playing on a line that just isn't trusted because they don't have as much uh, options with everybody injured. And then you look at that Lowry line and, and think, all right, it would be great if, if Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton could score more. But these aren't guys that, tra- tra- other than Niederreiter, Lowry and Appleton don't score a lot. They they never really have scored a whole lot. Lowry had that mm-hmm. binge last year at the end, but ultimately these are not guys you have out there to score. Um, so I'm, I'm if, if they're playing good defensive hockey, I'm not sure you, you need more from them. I guess I don't really have a good answer for you because <laughs> the, the defensemen are doing their job so well. It'd be great if they could score, but that's not really their MO either other than Morrissey, right? Mm-hmm. So one guy I would throw out there, sorry, I know, you know, this question wasn't directed at me. I mean, I think, please. I, I think one guy who's underwhelmed me, you know, in the, let's say the second half of the first half of the season is Alex Iafalo. I think we've seen, you know, the best of Alex Iafallo, and we've seen, you know, not the best of Alex sort of Iafallo. In, invisible Iafallo. In, well, he hasn't scored a goal in 10 games, right? So yeah. that's that's significant. Yeah. And again, I don't think Iafallo is not a guy that I think, you know, you're expecting to be, you know, in your top five point producers. Um, he's a great defensive forward. I agree with you, Christian, but th- that's just for me. I'm not saying that, you know, that would be a guy for you, Christian. But, I mean, I, I, I've seen Iafallo's play dip 
over the last, not just the last 10 games, it's not just about goal scoring, but I'd say the last 15 to 20 games, uh, as opposed to the first, you know, 25 or, or 26 games, I think, you know, at times, you know, IFL is not that noticeable on the ice. When he's the most effective, he plays a little bit of an agitating role, right? Like he can play on the penalty kill. You know, he's obviously getting power play time, but I don't, you know, he, he's a guy that I would point to in the forward group that, you know, I think needs to offer a little bit more here. But again, I think he's been a great addition to the Jets roster and, you know, he's well-liked in the dressing room. He obviously loves playing here, but, you know, that would be one guy that stands out to me. I guess it says a lot about Ayafalo that when I was going through forwards in my head, I forgot about him. Um, (laughs) So I guess he just didn't make an impression on me. It's tough, I'm sure, for him when he's just getting, he gets moved around a lot and he's got the versatility where you can be moved around a lot. And also Rick bonus doesn't want to touch the Lowry line. I know Lowry got moved up briefly with the uh, Shifley injury, but that's just, that wasn't going to work because he's not a top line setter. So yeah, I, I yeah, I have follow could be somebody. Cause it, it, cause if he is, you know, I, I think when I was laying out the lines earlier, when you get a two C, I didn't say I have follow his name. So Baron Domestikov, I have follow. Is that your fourth line? Cause that's, Say his name, Christian Berg. Sorry, Christian Berg. Heisenberg. Say his name. Yeah, that's pretty. That because that's a nice. That's a nice fourth line. So yeah, I, I think you could ask for a little more out of Iafalo. But he's what is his role right now? He's been jostled around so much with all the injuries, and so the the cork that's in the conversation right now is is the injuries, and they are short term. So we know soon we'll get the full breadth of what this team can look like up front, assuming no one else gets hurt. And then we can say for sure what this team needs. And part of that could be more from Alex Iafala. One more game without the full compliment, then the break, and then the, the expectation, of course, they'll be back at full strength when they head out to Pittsburgh on that Tuesday. Christian Amell is with CJOB Radio. The call of the game, or the radio call will be on CJOB and, of course, Power 97 later on this afternoon. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your time. Big thank you to... Uh, Sully you was great on the Sully, show, I thought, right. this morning. Sully, Sully as well. Is, is, now... I have to ask because we started with the pets. I got to end with the pets. You, Sully is yours. Yes. It sounds like the dogs are, you know, we're, we're sort of a package deal. Yep. So how do you feel about the dogs? And it'll stay within the confines of this broadcast. The dogs are lovely. I love them. Uh, I've become a dog guy because uh, they are around me a lot. They love me. Sometimes they, they're a little loud, but when I'm on the radio, they, they, they shut, they shut up. So it's good. They're, they're very cooperative for my, uh, needs, but yeah, they're they're lovely. Glad to have them in my life, and I'm glad that Sully finally gets along with them because he was barricaded for like a year, and that kind of sucked. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he now works. he now gets licked by one of them, and he likes it for like a minute, and then he swats her in the face. It's fun to watch. Christian, how do you feel about birds, parakeets specifically? No, thank you. Okay, well, Jason Bell of the Free Press uh, has a comes on with his uh, with his bird, Marty Bird. So we'll keep uh, we'll make sure that we keep peace uh, between all of you and the and the. Only here, so he never gets a hold of that one. There you go. In the zoo, that is a legal curve. Christian, thank you, buddy. We'll do it again real soon. Have there a good day, goes. guys. Cheers, Christian. Take care. There he goes, Christian Amell, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We go to break. 
with the latest news coming up next from downtown Winnipeg. Not a ton to report, but we'll report it anyways. More Jets talk and our good friend, speaking of pets, O-Dog at the bottom of the hour. Jeff O'Neill going to join us for more on the Jets and the Leafs. It's a Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. This January at Boston Pizza, every day is Pasta Tuesday. That means BP's famous pastas start at just $11.99 every single day. Create your own or go gourmet for just a few bucks more. Come on in for Pasta Tuesday pricing any day. Only this January at Boston Pizza. So you're a pizza person. You married a wing person. But somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it! Again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve starts now. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg. I think I just referred to it as the Illegal Curve, like I'm an elderly grandparent. I'll try the Illegal Curve hockey show to be more specific. Are you going to go shopping at Safeways later today, Drew? Uh, after I finish watching Steinfeld and the Simpkins, as my grandparents, may they rest in peace, used to call both of those fine uh, TV shows. At least, you know, Seinfeld, at least. You know, That's like the Jewish Simpsons. The Simpkins. Right. The Simpkins. You know, like, yeah, anyways, it was uh, a good memory of my grandparents. Uh, later tonight, the Illegal Curve post-game show, Drew Mandel and Dave Manuk. I just referred to myself in the third peer, in the third person there. We'll be here to talk about the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs in what ought to be an entertaining contest in downtown Winnipeg. Uh, to the surprise of no one, Connor Hellebuck 
uh, took the uh, took the morning routine as usual, starting goaltender routine. Shocked, boys. I know, shocking. I thought LB was going to get a second con- consecutive start after you know having a shutout through three periods. Let's talk about LB for a second because I just want to like pour some pretty significant cold water on the idea that. Lauren Brassois is going to be traded or should be traded Not happening. at any point in time between now and the trade deadline. Has anybody looked at what the Jets have in the minors right now? <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, it, it's just, it's a non-starter. So if you trade Lauren Brassois, whatever you get back, let's say it's a first round pick. It won't be, it wouldn't be, but for argument's sake, let's say it is. All you're doing is helping a team that you're likely you know, having designs on playing at some point in the playoffs. Why would you trade from a position of strength and then make yourself weaker? And all due respect to Oscari Salmon and and Colin Delia. I mean, there isn't, (laughs) there isn't somebody coming up from the moose. I I mean, Thomas Millich is not going to be a backup goaltender this year in the NHL, Dave, maybe, maybe two years from now or three years from now, but Thomas Millich was in the Western hockey league last year. So unless you're getting a, a backup goaltender back, but then it, I, I agree with Drew, but why would you trade for a lesser backup goaltender? I, I agree with you. I, I think Lauren Brassois is, is not going anywhere. He has a no. very close relationship with Connor Hellebuck, and he's had an excellent season. So again, why would you trade from a position of strength to make your goaltending weaker? If you're the Jets, aren't you looking to sign Lauren Brassois to a contract extension rather than trade him at this point in time? That's where your that's where your his, his importance is. And even if it causes costs you a bit of a raise, well, you know just how good he's been, how comfortably he fits with Connor Hellebuck. And the salary so, cap is going up next year, Drew. And it's not like you're going to have to pay Lauren Brassois five million dollars a year. No, and and I would imagine that you know if you're Lauren Brassois, you probably would be looking at maybe an opportunity. To regain the opportunity to be a number one goaltender. But at the same time, if you've got a pretty good thing here after you've bounced around really for a lot of your career from Edmonton here to Vegas and back and everything else, you know, if the dollars can get to where the dollars need to be, and I don't know, you sign it, you know, it's not like, again, it's not like the Jets' goaltending pipeline is banging at the door ready to break no. through it. They're, I mean, Best case scenario, I mean, and I don't know that uh, uh, Scary Salmonen is ever going to be an NHL goaltender. Uh, Dave, you watch him. Right, right now he's not an NHL goaltender, Drew. Okay, well, there you go. And Colin Delia, we know, is a veteran journeyman who's not. Uh, he was in the NHL last year. Right, but he's not going to be a, 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 he's not a, he's sort of like a David Riddick type when it came to the backup goaltending the, position for the Jets. The truth is he's a guy who jumps in if you need him for one game to back up or two games. You're not putting him in with any degree of, of right. certainty. And and again, I think we need to be, I know I understand what you're doing, but like it's it's also, I think we need to focus on reality. I don't think that just because some person who doesn't watch the Jets right. made a mention of this on a TV network, Somehow it has some sort of legitimacy. I mean, it again, have any legitimacy. You're right, Dave. And I think what it is, if you if you want my personal opinion, is that yeah. there's so many teams out there that would like. I, I'm a Devils fan. I don't know if anybody knew that. No, we've I, never heard that before. I've only mentioned it three times on the show. Nico, Nico Dawes is is essentially your your number one goaltender. Like Vitek Vanacek um, and Akira Schmidt have have struggled all year long. I mean, there's a lot of teams. You don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs? Would have would love to have Lauren Brassois backing up Joseph Wall when he's back healthy. I'm not sure why we went to that view, Drew, but uh, yeah, I don't think Brassois is going anywhere. No, I mean, and again, like I said, I think we need to just focus on on reality. I mean, well, I, you're, so you're I not. 
Sorry, no, no, I'm ahead. just saying like you're you're not getting rid of your goaltending tandem that has been the backbone of this team. So let's just again move on. This is right. not a it's not no. something that's dealt in in reality. And so it just it's it's great aspect of it then, Dave. Would you consider, you know, should the Jets be looking to re-sign Lauren Prassois? You know, in uh, you know, rather yes, but... than 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 yeah, the... why not? I, well, I, I mean, the problem think, I can't think of a reason. Sorry, Dave. All I wanted Dave? to say is the only <laughs> the only reason I think you wouldn't resign him is if he wants to go elsewhere. It seems yeah. like Lauren Brassois is happy here. I think that the ultimate the point is that Lauren Brassois thinks of himself as a starter, and I think if he thinks that he can get and he's been good and he's been healthy, so I think he thinks that if he has an op- and he look, do I think he likes in Winnipeg? Yes. Do I think he likes? the tandem with Connor Hellebuck? I think he does. Do I think, you know, he wants to be able to say he was a starting goaltender for an NHL organization and have that for a year or two or three? I do. And so I think that, I think that that's what you're going against. You're going against the guy who's going to look around the NHL and he's going to have opportunities. So, I mean, but for right now, for the focus on this year, I think that it's just it's just lunacy to have to even engage in this kind of conversation because no team, like the Winnipeg Jets based, you know, on defense mm-hmm. are, are going to say, sure, we'll get rid of our guy who wins us, uh, you know, who's a, a pretty much a, a, bare, a bona fide, you know, point in a game, whether it's a, you know, an overtime point or, or a win. So yeah, it's, it's not happening. It's a, a, like I said, we could, if we had to talk about every lunatic thing that folks on, on TV talked about, I mean, let's be realistic on a Jets broadcast. You'll be lucky if they talk about the Jets. But and we know that that's not going to be big focus on tonight. Although I will give Sportsnet credit, they did do an interesting little uh, talk amongst the players with Shif- uh, with um, Lowry and Perfetti and Hellebuck and uh, Morrissey, which if you didn't get a chance to see it, is on our illegalcurve.com. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, I think the focus needs to be in reality, and the reality for the Winnipeg Jets is which prospect. I mean, I think the bigger question, Drew, if we want to have a real discussion, is which prospect are you willing to trade for? to acquire some help this year, because that to me is, that's a question that's based in fact, based in reality, based on, you know, what could realistically happen, right? As the Jets could trade their first round pick and let's be realistic. That's going to be a late first rounder. Jets yeah. haven't hit home runs in the late in the first round, right? They're more of an early, you know, a mid mid first round. Then they, then they strike gold, but the late first round, that's not really where they necessarily hit home runs. And that's where this pick, this pick is going to be. So are you willing to deal your first? Yeah. Yes, because your pipeline is pretty good right now, I think. Is it an upper echelon pipeline? No. But are there good enough pieces to kind of replenish the cupboard? I think there are. Well, not on defense, there aren't. But Well, Elias well, there Salomonson. Are, a, again, Salomonson is going to be over here next year. He's a big guy. There's a lot of people are talking that's, about that's him. one defenseman, and you know, all due respect, I don't think we really know what his ceiling is at, at this point. I don't think you would say that the Jets have four or five good D prospects in the system. I mean, if, if there are name four or five really grade a deep prospects, well, I'm not going to say grade a guys. I'm going to say that they've got guys who are in the system who are, you know, I'm not, look, I know. I don't think guys that, that they're projecting got... as NHL. Re- Sal Monson's projecting as an NHL regular. Billy Hainala was going to be an NHL regular, you know, if it wasn't for the injury earlier this year, Declan Chisholm, who's, you know, yeah, but these albeit... are prospects. Hainala and Chisholm are guys that are, that are oh. in look, Chisholm is with the jets right now. I'm talking about like who are your 18 and 19 year old fine. Prospects. Okay. No, Sal I mean, Monson is at the top of that. Sorry, I'm sorry. The Jets have done a great job drafting forwards. Brad Lambert, Rucker McGroarty, Eli Sal Monson. I'm sorry, is not a, a top-rated D prospect. I mean, show me some uh, prospect rankings that shows him in the top 30 of NHL prospects. 
Well, well I, mean, I mean, again, I, I'm not going to pretend to be some sort of prospect. Saying he's going to play in the NHL is different than saying he's a he's a top prospect. I think he's I think he's pretty highly regarded. That's I think he's I he's project you know based no, on his performance isn't what I said. I mean, well, no, I'm no. I mean, is, I, what what does he project? Does he project as a top pairing defenseman top or four. a top four defenseman? Top, top four. four. Okay. And I don't think there's anything wrong with. And that. when is he going to play in the NHL? Two years from now? Like, what are we yeah. talking about here? Well, yeah, but I mean, that's I mean, we're not really talking. We're talking about what are you prepared to trade? in terms of your prospect pool to acquire an asset. And like I said, all I'm saying is you're willing to trade your first round pick because it's going to be a late first rounder. And then the question becomes, which of those pro- of the prospects are you willing to deal to acquire some help? And I think you're probably looking at, at, at you're probably trading from your forward prospects as I think. Yeah, I agree. Likely, because you don't have, to your point, as you don't have the same, uh, the same level of, of, of names or, or potential on your back end. I mean, Sal Monson, you know, Dimitri Kuzman, who's still, you know, obviously very young and everything else, but you don't have the same level on your back end. I would agree with that. But then you could, you know, does a guy like, you know, we know the names, you know, the, the recent first round picks, you know, Chaz Lucius, I know is a name that, a lot of people are throwing around out there because they say, well, he's injury prone. So he's, you know, we should trade him now because he's never going to make it just because you once suffered injuries doesn't necessarily mean you're going to always suffer injuries, but it's a risk reward factor that the jets have to take into account. Or, I mean, are there other guys, you know, that are, that are possibilities, uh, you know, you know, guys, Dave, I mean, these are the guys that Dave, you watch more than anyone else, you know, like a, a Daniel Torgensen, you know, a second round pick. Is he a guy? that the jet you know has developed the jets want in in the manner that they want henry nickenen playing of course fourth round pick you know have these guys developed or they is or maybe do they have more appeal for other teams than necessarily turkison has and, one goal in 31 ahl games i'm sorry like what i'm saying what but are we talking former, about here i'm we're talking about young players no we're i'm saying about young how, players how how coveted is a guy like daniel turkison what what would like he has you're, one you're, goal in 31 games Right, so you're saying why would another team come? Well, I'm just him? saying. I mean, I don't watch him. Dave can can chime in here, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know how valued he is across the NHL. I literally don't know. It's not like he's tearing it up in the American Hockey League this year. Right, many guys on the Moose aren't either. The these are the players that would be as part of a first round pick and 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 prospect trade. These are the guys that right. would be that would be you know. It, being discussed when when the general managers meet and talk about potential uh, deals to be made, Dave. These are the guys whose names are being thrown around. I don't believe that the Jets are really eager to be throwing around some of the bigger names. You know, the the no. Colby Barlows, the Chaz Luciuses, the uh, Brad Lamberts, and things of that nature. Unless they're really going to swing for a you know a grand slam home run, I would. It's not in the Jets' mo to typically trade their best prospects. I can't, you know, I'm trying to think when was the last time the jets traded a guy whose name immediately rolled off your tongue as one of their top prospects. I don't think it's happened before. It's never happened. Right. So that would be, you're looking at that sort of second tier. And I think it's ridiculous for people to throw out Rucker McGordy as a, as somebody who the jets would trade, unless you're getting Sidney Crosby in return. And I think the likelihood of that happening is low. So I don't think Rucker McGordy is going anywhere. I don't think Brad Lambert is going anywhere. I don't think Nikita Chibrikov is going anywhere and Chaz Lucius has been injured throughout his pro career and his college career. So I I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that's realistic for a guy like Chaz Lucius to be traded considering how much hockey he's missed. But Dave watches the moose more than I do. But I mean, I, I think, you know, there, there are other players that I think would be more coveted. Like I think 
you know, Declan Chisholm and Vili Hainola because they are pro-ready and Chisholm is in the NHL right now, I think he would draw some interest. But I, I, you know, again, I'm just, I don't watch the moves. So I don't know, like Danny Jilkin is a first year pro. He hasn't been exactly lighting it up. So I don't, I don't think teams around the NHL are, you know, licking their chops at, at getting Danny Jilkin. All due respect to him. Dave, I mean, you well, the, guys the only thing I would, the only thing I would say is again, it's not necessarily that you're looking at someone who's going to make an immediate impact on your roster. I mean, that's the reason why you send scouts to watch these, these hockey games, the AHL games, at least specifically is because they're looking at guys who could have an impact at some point. Again, you're not saying I'm going to trade for this guy and he's going to go from the AHL to the NHL and, you know, immediately impact our roster and make us better. And as he's right, Danny Jilkin isn't going to do that. He's a first year pro. He's learning the pro game. Does he have tools? I don't want Frosty to get upset with me because I know he loves Danny Jilkin, but I, and I do, I think he's got a lot of good tools. I think he'll develop eventually and become a, a you know, an interesting uh, prospect. Of course, the third rounder who plays up the middle, you know, Look, you look at Nikita Chibrikov, what he's been doing with the with the Moose. And yes, obviously the Moose haven't had a lot of success with their current 11-game uh, uh, winless streak. But uh, Brad Lambert, a guy who's just coming off of injury, he got back into his first game. He's going off to the AHL All-Star game. I, I, again, it just becomes a function of what the Jets kind of move the Jets are trying to make, right? We That's what we have to be realistic of. Are the Jets going to swing for the fences, as some folks are saying, or are they not? And if they're going to... As he's right, Riker McGordy's name should never even be mentioned because unless you're bringing back Sidney Crosby, it's not <laughs> someone who's even watched the World Juniors. It's not even that. I mean, it's just you're right, as he or, or has anybody watched the University of Michigan? We just had Colby Cohen on last week. Like Riker McGordy has such a high ceiling. Like unless you're getting Dave, like like throw out any big name you want. I don't even think the Jets would even consider for a second trading him for for a guy like Elias Lindholm. No. Like I, no, I don't even, no, I don't no, even no, think no, that's an option. No. So unless it's a Sidney Crosby or 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 you know a top 20 forward in the league, I think the Jets value him that highly that I don't even think they're considering for a second trading him. I really no, don't. You're absolutely right. And that's why I said that, like I said that earlier in the chat as I said just take his name out of the out of your mouth. Don't mention it because it's it's not a player who the Jets would even entertain for a second. I don't think uh, and again, I, I believe the same with Lambert. I think that they like what they're seeing and they like the development up the middle. And so I think that they'll be loath to try and to move someone like that. Nikita Chiprikov is developing well. One name that's been been popping out a little bit is Dmitry Roshevsky, the uh, 2021 fifth rounder. He's having he's had back to back good seasons in the KHL. Right. Uh, he's been a producer, you know. But I, I'm just saying, like I just saw his name yesterday. Uh, Sportsnet wrote um, an article about uh, about you know, some of the chips that are, are, you could may, maybe see move whether he significantly moves the needle. I don't know, but well, it could be a piece that, that moves some, you know, gain some interest. If he doesn't see a fit in Winnipeg, you could potentially trade him for, for it as an asset. And the asterisk around Rashevsky, of course, is that, you know, the question is, are, is a team in the NHL ever going to get him to come from Russia? You know, that's what sort of is, is the the great unknown with him is that he's under contract, I believe, for two more years, if I'm not mistaken. One more year. OK, Dave's saying one more year that he's under contract in Russia. And does he want to leave home to come play in North America? And that is, you know, when the Jets look, if he ever comes over and he's still a member of the Jets, then it's really a tantalizing prospect because of what he's been able to produce 
at the you know the KHL level, which is you know a decent level of hockey. Do they have to bring Eric Odell with him because that's his been his consistent line mate uh, with Dynamo? Sure. Why don't we? We'll bring back a whole bunch of uh, uh of, of old uh, of old Jets players from back in the day. You know, we can. Uh, who else? Maybe is Randy? What's his name? Randy Jones? Was that his name on the back end? Uh, Come on, Drew. You could have done better than that. At least pull out like a Spencer Mahachek or something. Yeah, Spencer Mahachek would have been a better one. Sorry, uh, Ivan Talagan. Do we? Is he still on? under the Jets tech, you know what's funny the Jets still technically have his rights there you go that's a guy who uh is uh, disappeared from the uh from the lips of any uh hockey watchers here in Winnipeg for the most part look it's not in the Jets MO to really trade from their biggest prospect pool that's what we've talked about you know in the last couple of minutes so I mean we, that sort of takes you to that next level and the question is really and it's not a question I expect any of us to know the answers of because, to Dave's point, that's why they're scouts. That's why they go and they watch the Manitoba Moose. That's why Dave isn't sitting by himself in the press box, uh, you know, night in, night out, uh, watching the Mooses. There's other teams who are keeping an eye on these guys to see, hey, this is a guy who we think can project at X moving forward uh at the nhl level things of that nature so you know it time will tell if that comes to fruition or not but it is an interesting discussion to have as we get closer within about the next five or so weeks uh get closer towards the nhl trade deadline and the jets of course being in a position of uh of wanting to acquire players of wanting to acquire uh, assets and, and reinforcements for their team heading into the stretch drive. Speaking of acquiring players, I think we're about to acquire Jeff O'Neill, our very good friend from TSN 1050 Overdrive. I believe the O Dog is here. Jeff, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, guys. How are we doing today? We're doing fine and dandy. We're getting ready for a rematch after Wednesday's game in downtown Toronto, the rematch later tonight in downtown Winnipeg between the Jets and the Leafs. It should be a, a good battle and a heated environment, uh, of course. Let me ask you, before we get into the nuts and bolts no, no, of the I game. I want to ask you guys first. I want to okay. ask you guys first because you must be so excited. I can see the smiles on your face. Oh, dog, right? I'm always excited when no, we have you on. No, but this year you guys are like, floating around the top of the year. I just want to know, like, a, like, what are your emotions at? Are you guys shocked of where they are? Because it was like they traded Dubois and then the unknown contracts, and now you guys are here. Just in, like, a couple of minutes, take me through the journey of where your emotions are at. I mean, I think it's safe to say that when the season started, yes. The- the unknowns and the question marks were far greater than the optimism level because of how last year ended. And then as the season has progressed, it's been, you know, for the first time in a lot of years, it's been fun to watch the Winnipeg Jets because they have an identity and they have a style and the effort has been there night in and night out. So isn't that nice? Like just to have a team where it's like, this is what we're going to bring to the table 95% of the time. And it's like, you can react to it. Sometimes you're going to beat us, but 95% of the time, that's what we bring to the table and it's effective and they have the right pieces. It must be a joy to watch. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's just you you sort of you you know, you know what you can expect. I talk about it all the time, you know, when when the attendance was an issue in Winnipeg as, as it is in many markets, you know, throughout the NHL, you know, 41 nights a year, you're asking people to shell out a lot of money 
And yeah. how many of those 41 games, at least from a Jets fan's perspective, over the last couple of years, were really, were you getting your money's worth? There'd be, you know, efforts that would be lacking. There'd be games that would just be absolute dogs, no offense. Uh, you know, there, there would just be, there would be times where you'd say, you know, what am I paying for? Whereas this year, you shell out your money, you're getting a decent quality. Not always going to be a win, but it's going to be a decent night out and a decent quality of entertainment. And I think that is what people have been sort of clamoring for on a regular basis. Yeah, it's good. You look at the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers, and over the years, all we've talked about is the offense and how good McDavid and Dreisaitl and Shifley and Wheeler and Ehlers and Nugent Hopkins. And it's like both organizations and both kind of core players have realized, like, we've all got paid and there's only one thing left to do and it's winning and it's completely different than what we thought it was. And I don't know, you always go back to a guy like Jonathan Taze where guys around him were getting 120 points a year and he's like, I'll win Stanley Cups. And it's not like he couldn't produce offense, but it was always like he was a main character for a lot of years come playoff time. And he was a tough, he was a tough out that guy. And it wasn't all about offense. It was just about commitment to winning. And I think these guys are starting to realize it. What boggles my mind is that it takes so much hardship to get through to them. It's like, <laughs> you want to run and gun, it doesn't work. You want to run and gun, it doesn't work. It's like five, six. I mean, the Leafs are going through it where it's like, how, how many times do you guys have to have a playoff series? where you got to realize run and gun is not going to work for you. It's crazy well, stuff, man. And, and you know, just to kind of jump in and, and kind of piggyback off of what Drew was saying, I don't think, you know, the three of us or, you know, a lot of Jets fans are as surprised that the Jets are first in the Central, uh, you know, as opposed to the Jets being the top defensive team in the league. That's the biggest thing for me, O-Dog. Like, I, I just didn't see that coming because it's the exact same group of defensemen last year. But I yeah. think, you know, it's undeniable that, you know, Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Nino Niederreiter, Vlad Domestikov, like, these great veteran defensive forwards have had a huge impact on the Jets defensively. So for me, that's what's been shocking is that on a night in, I mean, you saw the record, right? It was 34, 35 games. The Jets didn't allow more than three goals. It, it took the Boston Bruins to score a, an empty net goal to break that streak, right? So that's been the biggest difference is the team defense. I mean, obviously, Hellebuck, you expect him to be the best goalie or one of the best goalies in the league. But it's, you know, the, the defense that has just been, it's really absurd how well they've played this year. Well, I, I guarantee you, Ezra. If you talk to the decor and they talk about a lot of coaches toss around catchphrases and catch terms, and one of them is connectedness. And I guarantee you, if you talk to that decor, which you said, there's no chance, the same kind of decor back there. Mm -hmm. But I'll, if you ask them, I guarantee you, they would say the forwards commitment to supporting them and allowing them to be aggressive and stand up and challenge people and not let them run all over them. It's probably a big help to them. You got guys committed to coming back and supporting pinches and helping them out all the time it makes a big time difference as opposed to guys just floating around and sniffing around the net and just leaving the d to hang out to dry and then you got big time problems you know jeff one of the things that the jets haven't had a lot of is the the band back together having everybody playing obviously they had velarde out for a significant period of time kyle connor missed 16 games mark shively's going to miss his sixth straight game from the from a power play perspective how important in the playoffs when you have those guys all together, is that? Because right now, of all the things the Jets have, 
Their five-on-five play this year has been exceptional. We talk about their defense. Their special teams, their PK has been very good of late. Yeah. You know, it took a while to get it going. Their power play is the one thing that's been stagnant. They haven't had all those guys. Rick Bonus has pointed to that. So one, you know, how important are those guys? You, I mean, it seems like an obvious question, but from a, from a playoff perspective, getting that going, how important is that going to be for this Jets club? Well, a couple things to that. I, I don't mind. Well, nobody likes to see anybody hurt, but if it's this guy's going to take some time and that guy's going to take some time. And if it all comes together, we're come playoff time. Everybody's healthy and firing on all cylinders. I got no problem with that. And the other thing about the power play is, and I do it every year, you know, me and Bob and, and Duffy talk about the, the importance of the power play in the world juniors, where it's like, if you don't have it in a game where you go into a tough environment, it's like that power play is so important to help you out in a game where you might not have your best stuff five on five. It's like your skill guys, it's their opportunity. If they're, if they're tightly checked and they, they finally get some time and space, that's their time to make some hay. So, I mean, they got enough talent on that power play, man, that that thing come playoff time, that should be humming. So it's going to be a big part. And the other thing, guys, is like, and I don't know if you realize it or, or find the same, but I find there's so many damn penalties called in today's game. It's embarrassing. <laughs> like, I get it. That Gallagher play the other day, you got to get it out of the game. But there are so many times where a guy will accidentally just step on a stick and there's a tripping call or barely touched, like, and I know you can't do the can opener or anything, but I've seen a bunch of penalties this year where a guy would just stick his stick out and it's like two minutes for tripping against a guy that's six foot four and 230 pounds. It's like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, what league is this? I find the penalties to be embarrassing, but if you're going to have that situation, if that's the way it's going to be, you got to have a power play that can take advantage of that and make other teams pay. Yeah, no question about it. And the Jets power play has not been able to do that this year, which uh, has certainly uh, been a topic of conversation here. Jeff O'Neill, the O-Dog, is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning ahead of the Jets and the Leafs' second half of a back-to-back situation between these two teams. Uh, When you played, Jeff, when you go back to your playing days, when you you played a team two games in a row – you know, how much of that lingering resentment really, you know, carried over? Was that sort of more of a, a storyline than, than it was in a reality, especially with, you know, really the two days off between games? I get it if it's within a 24-hour period, but, you know, do you think that there's still really, uh, is there is there a, a boiling over factor from one game to the next when there's this many game days off between? The, <laughs> the hatred... And the holding a grudge has definitely gone away. Mm-hmm. I guarantee, do you remember like the Pionk incident with Marner a couple of years ago? Like, and I hate saying back when I played, but I have to, because I have to revert <laughs> to that. It's like that Pionk situation, it would have never been let go by the characters that I played with. It was like, Pionk would have the most miserable night of his life every time for the next seven years after that game. Same with the Jason Spezza hit. There would be somebody to pay. Who did he hit where he, he needs somebody, didn't he? Was it Pionk? Yeah, it was, it was Pionk he hit. Yeah, so like that kind of garbage, it would linger on for years. Like I can remember sitting on the bench beside guys where it was like, yeah, three years ago he slashed me and I had to get him back for that. Like stuff lingered <laughs> and hatred went on forever. But these guys seem to forgive and forget, which I'm totally fine with. I mean, everybody just wants to see like a good hockey game, but – there was nothing the other night that, that would that would sense that there would be some bad blood tonight. No. It was like – and I think the one step the Jets have taken where it was like they got key injuries, guys out, and it's like they still 
took it to Toronto for the majority of that hockey game. It's like, and that, that's, that's from Rick and that's from the coaching staff where it's like, we don't care what the lineup is. This is how we play. And they still dominated the hockey game. That's when you know you got a team that means business and they're serious. And I think they're going to be poised to make a run. The only thing that sucks is like, they're probably going to get a heater team in the first round. And it's like, that's what I don't like about this setup. It's like, I don't know. I guess you got to go through them anyway, but man, you want to get some garbage team that limps into the playoffs and beat the pants off of them and then maybe get a heater team and make it last a little longer. <laughs> we talked about the Kings earlier, right? And oh I don't know if you saw God. this stat. The Kings have only won two of their last 15 and somehow they're in a wild card spot. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. You've got now the St. Louis Blues, I think, are one point behind. Uh, they've won four games in a row, right? And, you know, you mentioned the, the Oilers earlier, who have obviously, speaking of, of heaters, I mean, it's incredible. I was totally wrong about that. Uh, when Jay Woodcroft was fired, Drew and I made a bet, and I said the Oilers wouldn't make the playoffs, and I'm looking like a pretty big Anybody right would have made that bet. Anyone <laughs> would have made that bet. It's like, how could you think that they were going to make the playoffs? And Mike Johnson, who comes on overdrive with us, he'd be like, you know, if, they, if they're going to make the playoffs, they would have to play like he blurts out some crazy number, like 750 hockey or something, which means that they would have to do what they just did, which is two streaks that are incredible. It's like, guys, one slip up in the middle of this streak and they were basically done. And now I wouldn't shock me if they come close to like being at the top of the vision at the end of the season. It's crazy. It but the LA, the LA Kings guys, that's a, that's a, I can remember somebody in hockey calling me, we were talking at the beginning of the year and the comment was, and I, I look at playoffs like this too, when they, the, the LA Kings were on fire at the beginning of the season, it was like, I don't see a team beating the LA Kings right now four times. Now I can't see the LA Kings winning a period because they're just <laughs> they can't get a save and they're terrible out there. They got a mess on their hands. Well, when, when Doughty says what he says after the game against Buffalo, you know, a couple nights ago, when he says what he says, and I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty pointed and it was pretty cookies. targeted. It's cookie you know, night, Drew. Yeah, I know it's cookie night, and I yeah, like. But cookies. then they followed it up with a five-one drubbing to Colorado. That's the Colorado's right. the worst damn place to go into when you're looking for a win. I'll tell you that. Because of how their talent, or because of or something else, just how good they are. Yeah, yeah okay. it's like, oh, maybe we'll get a layup here and get out of this funk. You're not getting it in Colorado, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, but, but when Doughty goes and says what he says, and then you respond with that with that kind of effort, I mean, how is it not you know sort of the, the proverbial five alarm fire, especially when the guy you bring in, I mean Pierre Luc Dubois, who of course you know here in Winnipeg, people are you know are certainly I think engaging in a little bit of Schadenfreude watching him, but I mean, it, is it just not completely? It just seems like a complete disaster there right now. Guys, I'll tell you what, I'm a goalie hater, and. <laughs> I think you guys, you guys have Hellebuck every night. Like you, you guys see a guy that's a stud back there. It's him and Demko, the two best goalies in the league this year. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, like LA needs a save. Like they need a goaltender to go in there and win them a game. Like just to get some confidence and a good feeling. And if you don't have that, you've seen a lot of tire fires this year. And I would guarantee you a lot of them are connected to goaltending where it's like, and I say this all the time. It's like you have a solid goaltending performance. You know how much video time that saves? Because if it goes in the net, the coach is like, look at you in the corner. You missed your check. You missed your check here. But if he makes the save, it's all kind of swept under the rug. And there's problems that are going to be there that might ultimately come back to bite you. But one time you need a goalie to get you out of a game. Like they're not getting a save. 
and I don't know where the hell they're going to get one because they got one guy injured, and I don't know. And I'm not blaming it all on goaltender because I'm sure Dowdy calling out his teammates, it was probably there's something to that. But, man, you need a guy to, you need a guy to win you a game. Like, have you guys not seen a couple times this year where Winnipeg maybe didn't have it and Hellebuck bailed their asses out? He yeah, probably did. Maybe maybe once or twice anyway. Yeah, I'm sure Doughty would love to have Jonathan Quick back there again. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about Corey Perry because, I mean, I, you know, I, I realize he made a mistake in Chicago and there was a bunch of BS um, that we all know, the rumors and everything like that. But I thought it was really admirable. I've always been a big Corey Perry fan. I just love the way he plays hockey. What has he played over 1,200 games, Stanley Cups, everything like that. I realize it's easy to hate a guy like that, but the reality is I think you'd agree everybody would love to have a Corey Perry on their team. I just liked how he t- he took ownership. He said, look, I made a mistake with Chicago. I, I-, I sought some help. Like He got some help um, for some of the- his problems, and I thought that was admirable that he owned it. And I, I think that's a great acquisition. And I, I think a lot of people were looking at that and saying, why would the Oilers acquire Corey Perry when they're winning all these games? But, I mean, is he not a perfect guy that you want to have for a playoff run? Well, a couple of things. Everybody would like a guy like that. And I have no idea what happened in Chicago. And I'm not going to make any judgments. But the bottom line is, if he's done the right things to make a correction, I don't believe that people should be tossed in the garbage dumpster if they screw up. And it's just like you, you're never to be seen again. I, I really don't believe in that. There's a lot of people outside of sports that, they, you know, they get a chance. They try to help themselves. They try to be better. And I, you know, like I said, I don't know what happened. And I don't know if something's going to pop up in the future or what. But everybody in hockey has always supported Corey Perry. He's been a big part of teams. He's a winner. He's done a lot of great things. And hopefully he's just got it together. And he's, he's trying to do the right thing moving forward because that's all you got left. He screwed up, and like I said, I don't know what he did. I don't know how bad it was or what the level of concern there should be, but all you can hope is that the guy's moving on. He screwed up. He tried to make amends for it. He's going to do the right thing. But as far as the player himself, Edmonton is trying to look at guys where it's like come playoff time, this guy's been in the trenches, probably be on the second power play unit, be a guy that's just a pain in the ass, will score some big goals and help them win. So. You know, as far as the off-ice stuff, you got to just hope that he's moving on from that and, and hope that he contributes come playoff time and score some big goals. You know, Jeff, the Jets fans, that when they're bringing it back to Winnipeg, when you look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup in the past, you look at these big, hulking defensemen, you look in St. Louis had it, Vegas had it. The Jets' defense, if there's one thing about them, with the exception of Brendan Dillon, is that they're not big, they're not bruising. Is that a key element that Winnipeg is missing? Or do you think that with the way the style that this team plays, that can overcome that sort of limitation? I think it's mandatory. You look at Tampa times two, Colorado and Vegas, just big lanky guys. And it just creates disruption in their own zone where, you know, they put out fires easier and there's less passing and it's just, you disrupt cycles. And I I don't know, guys, like I've never considered Chevy to be kind of that all in guy. But if you just look at Colorado when they won the cup, they just went out and they got a good forward. They got Josh Manson. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's the year where it's so difficult to win. You just have to say, I, I got to take a chance here and, and do something and try to be aggressive. And I just simplify it. It's like, if there's a, if there's a big, if there's a big stud defenseman, maybe two, go out and get them. And if there's a forward available, go out and get them too. Because maybe the players who have been around there long enough, like Shell, uh, Hellebuck and Shifley, maybe they deserve an opportunity. So 
But I think that that big decor back there that's big and nasty and tough in front of the net, where you already have that goaltender, think of like, think about like those years where Vasilevsky, as good as he was, and he still had to make some saves. But if you've got those big rangy defensemen back there, how much you know easier they make the job on the goaltender. I think it's a mandatory thing to go deep. Make the first save, and the defense is going to prevent there being from being a second opportunity. Mark Mathot uses a term, just put out fires. It's like, put out fires and get rid of it. Get it out of the way. It's a great term. Yeah, it's simple. It's, sometimes it's a simple game uh, yeah. when, you, when you really cut it down to its nuts and bolts. You know, Jeff, you, you started the interview by asking us about things that were happening here in Winnipeg and the, and the feeling in Winnipeg. And, you know, it's sort of hard to believe that, you know, it wasn't that many months ago where, you know, things had gone off the rails at the end of last year. And Rick was so pointed with his comments and the players pushed back. And there was a great article in the Winnipeg Sun by our friend Paul Friesen yesterday, sort of talking about how Rick Bonus and the players had to make amends and had to come together as one to sort of learn from the end of last year. You know, given Rick's reputation and given what you know of Rick Bonus from around the league, are you surprised that he was able to sort of heal whatever wounds existed uh, given how last year ended? No, because it's about the players and what they do on the ice. And too many times the players get a hall pass where it's like, mom, maybe we've got to fire the coach. Maybe the coach is an idiot and he's acting like an idiot. We got to get rid of him. And it always seems the players get a hall pass. So it was very simple. You guys played like a bunch of jackasses out there, and I'm not letting you <laughs> off the hook. And you're not coming back to training camp with not knowing what happened last year was unacceptable. So for once, an organization just saw it the way it was, where it's like, you guys want to go out and play like that? I'm going to call it as it is. I'm not letting you off the hook. Because so many times the players get the benefit of the doubt for just going out there and doing whatever the hell they want. And there's no, there's just no comment on it. It's like, nah, that's what we did. So there you go. Chew on it. Everybody chew on it, and we'll try to figure it out next year. At least he had the stones to say it. Like, and That's the organization stuck with him and said, we're not firing Rick Bonus for those comments. That's what happened. And they got some different pieces out, and they got some different pieces in, and now they're getting it right. Perfect for me. <laughs> you know, O-Dog, I wanted to ask you about the Red Wings because I feel like – I don't know if, if a lot of people are talking about the Red Wings – uh, you know, out east in, in Ontario, obviously, you know, Detroit's a lot closer, but I mean, the, the Leafs and the Red Wings are battling for a wild card spot, right? They're both in a wild card spot right now. You and just I had think... to bring that up. The well, Leafs no, I mean, I'm not a Red Wings <laughs> fan. No, no, it's not that at all. I just feel like I, like I haven't heard any, but and, and I'm, this isn't a, you know, I'm not a, a mainstream media conspiracy theorist. It's not about that, but I just look like a guy like Alex Lyon is, is putting together an unbelievable season in net. I mean, I've always thought, uh, you know, Dylan Larkin is an underrated forward. Obviously, former Jet Andrew Kopp is there. So is Ben Sherratt. Like, I, I guess, what is kind of your take on Detroit? And why aren't, I guess, more people taking them seriously in the East? Because they're one of those teams that have done so much losing after the, the, the immense amount of winning they've done in the playoffs, 23 years or whatever they did in a row. And then, then they just found a way to just, disappear and fade into the standings the bottom of the standings. so it's one of those teams where until they do it they won't kind of get props because it just seems like you know and i think stevie's tried to add talent and grit and leadership and all that stuff and it's like it hasn't worked year after year because they just keep falling short and they went out and got Kane. so they're one of those teams i know i know they definitely got people's attention in the east because they're right there in the standings but until they actually do it come the end of the regular season and they're in I don't think that, you know, they're, they're technically going to scare anyone or they're going to garner a whole bunch of attention until they actually do it. 
I'll guarantee you they got the Leafs' attention, though. Jeff, I want to ask you about uh, changing a captain and how impactful that could be in a locker room. And so, you know, I can specifically ask you about Winnipeg, but I'm not asking you because you don't know what's going on there. But going from a guy like Blake Wheeler, who was wired differently, to a guy like Adam Lowry, how much of an impact can that have on the room? Uh, you know, and, and we're seeing it, I guess, a little bit on the run. But what, from your perspective, from a player's perspective, what kind of change does that have to change? Or is it something we talk about, but really doesn't change what's going on in there? Well, I don't know what Blake Wheeler was saying in the locker room, but there's a there's a chance that people are like, thank God we don't have to hear that guy kind of lead the charge anymore because we didn't like what was coming out of his mouth. And I'm not talking about pregame speeches. There might have been other things behind the scenes. So it seems like Adam Lowry is just kind of the old school leader. And I don't know how much of a raw, raw guy he is, but it seems like he just leads on the ice. And when the puck drops, it's be ready to play and play hard and do the right things and play the way the Winnipeg Jets play. So it might be just something as simple as that, where Blake Wheeler, there might have been stuff behind the scenes where younger players, and I don't know who else, might have been like, thank God we don't have to hear that anymore. And we just got a simple, hardworking guy that plays the same way every night, and that's a great way to lead because it's very simple and it's effective at the same time. Jeff, last one for you. Obviously, the Jets and the Leafs, the rematch later on tonight. You look at the Leafs, they're in a that wild card spot. I mean, I, to me, I think the most significant stat... I just say could, it again. Uh, yeah, sorry, I had to say it, it again. again. You're not going to like this one any better is the number of regulation wins that the Leafs have had this year. Is, is there any reason to think... My Wi-Fi pers- is screwing up. My <laughs> Wi-Fi is screwing up. Is there any That's reason the to think that the Leafs are, are, are going to step up when it matters most, or do they just scream sort of paper tiger to you uh thus far this year they just they keep getting extensions because everybody in hockey says by american thanksgiving we know what we got here we make the assessment and it's kind of that's what it is at american thanksgiving but with these guys you know it just seems like oh we're still trying to find our identity we're still trying to put it all together we're still trying to do this but i don't know man you gotta you know, you don't have a whole lot of time left. So it seems like they're just kind of teetering on the fence where it could be a two-week positive stretch that gets them in, or it could be a two-week negative stretch that costs them the playoffs, which is, I didn't think we'd be talking about that right now. I thought that Bertuzzi was going to be a lot more effective. I didn't know that he wouldn't see one sniff of the play, of power play time, mm-hmm. which is greatly impactful for an offensive player. Um they just can't seem to put it together, and their defense core is struggling mightily because there's just not enough talent back there. You talk about big, rangy defensemen. You know, there's there's three three of them a night that just it seems like they struggle, and it's very costly. So, I don't know. They're going to have to pull it together. It might cost them the playoffs, and maybe the idea of that, scaring the hell out of them missing the playoffs and dealing with people like me talking about it every day might scare them enough to putting it together and they get in. Last one, sorry, I lied. Uh, John Tavares, he's in the a, a significant slide, a significant slump. The O for next to his uh, next to his name on the stat line has been uh, going on a couple weeks now. You know, what are you seeing from him? And is it you know is it just a a blip or is it something more significant? It's more significant. It's twenty something games without a five on five goal. That's that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's what third and fourth line players do. He's having a difficult time moving around out there. And it's not like he's been taken off the power play either. Like he goes out there with Austin Matthews, Mitch Barner, William Nylander, and Morgan Riley for basically a minute and 50 seconds every time. And he's still not producing. So it's a massive problem. 
And he could be a key guy in flipping the switch for the team and himself because if he doesn't get it together and start producing, it seems like Matthews is there every night. William Nylander needs to play better too because since the ink dried on his contract, he's gone turned into ninja dust on everyone. So he needs to he needs to wake up too. So there's you know John Tavares if he does like I said it's not all him but he could be a deciding factor of what happens here in a couple of months. Okay, sorry, Drew. I I have one more for you, Jeff. You, I mean, you've been at the NHL All Star Game. Do you think the Leafs have enough representation at this year's All Star Game? <laughs> uh, you know what? I thought Tavares was going to slip in. You know, I just, you know what? The way it should be every year, and it's not just because it's in Toronto, and I could care less. I'm not going to be anywhere around it. It's not our property, <laughs> and I'm not going to the game or anything. But it's like just for the fans that are going. The home venue, yeah. If somebody doesn't want to go, just tell the league and let let somebody from the home the home team play in it, like because I think the games turned into a disaster. I find it embarrassing to watch. Like, I think it should be five on five, and the winner of the five on five All Star game gets a couple million bucks, and that's maybe the only way, which is pathetic. Why Gretzky and Lemieux cared about it so much in the eighties and nineties. And they they made like they made it into a spectacle and a great game, but it's just nobody people stop caring about it. Why every other All Star game seems like every like the NBA? It's like the best players and all the superstars, past and present, they got to be there. It's like mm-hmm. the place to be. The NHL is God. Don't pick me. I want to go to Cabo. I don't know why that <laughs> happened or what the hell happened. But that's the way it is. We'll maybe see. they can be, maybe they can build a rink on the beach next time, and then they'll they'll get some people to uh, to show up there. And who knows, as maybe a couple of guys pull the shoot, and a couple more Leafs get in there, pal. Go Leafs! <laughs> Jeff O'Neill, the O Dog. <laughs> Thanks as always, Jeff. We appreciate it. Enjoy tonight's contest. We'll do it again real soon, buddy. All right, guys. Always enjoy being on with you. Cheers. Thanks. Take care, Jeff. There he goes, the O-Dog, a great friend of ours for a number of years here on the program. We take our final commercial break, then we wrap up the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, set the stage for later today in the Illegal Curve post-game show. Don't go anywhere. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small, just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. 
Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. This January at Boston Pizza, every day is Pasta Tuesday. That means BP's famous pastas start at just $11.99 every single day. Create your own or go gourmet for just a few bucks more. Come on in for Pasta Tuesday pricing any day. Only this January at Boston Pizza. So you're a pizza person. You married a wing person. But somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it! Again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com. Big thanks to Jeff O'Neill. Big thanks to Christian Amell from CJOB. Two great interviews on this Saturday edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. In case you missed any of the show, any of those interviews, the immediate replay is available on our YouTube channel. And, of course, the podcast will be available shortly thereafter. It's a double dip of IC on this Saturday before we get seven days away from one another later tonight right around 8 45 give or take yours truly and dave what are you guys gonna do on your week off i'm not talking to you that's for sure that's at the top of my list don't even acknowledge me when we do pickup together at school i'm going to be wearing like my invisibility cloak as far as it's as far as you should understand there's no week off what do you week off there's a moose game right now moose are in rockford tonight they're in chicago tomorrow we could do a moose post game show if anybody wants Go right ahead, my man. You know how to log into the stream yard. I encourage you to do so, but I will be nowhere near that. This is our, you know, look, if Kenny can go to Mexico, then we can take a week off and enjoy ourselves here. In he was still tweeting Winnipeg. as if he was in Winnipeg. So is it really, uh, does it really qualify as in Mexico? Kelly Moore's in Mexico. Teddy Wyman is in Mexico. Everybody's away. Everybody's gone away enjoying the week off. So we're going to do the same as well. Dave will, of course, have illegalcurve.com updated as required. And the post-game show, as I was saying, the post-game show, later tonight, 8.45, give or take, yours truly, Dave Manuk, talking everything to do with the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs, the big rematch uh, in downtown Winnipeg. We talked about how my kids have three birthday parties today, Drew. Have we talked about that yet? We haven't. Good luck with all that. How's your cloning uh, efforts going? Naomi's with the kids right now. They have their first birthday party uh, right now. It started at 10 a.m. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a Lego theme. Okay. And then uh, rude my... for someone to plan a birthday party when we have the illegal group hockey yeah. show. Well, no, no, no. They're playing it live at uh, Earl oh, Grey Community Center. That's where the birthday yeah. party is. Thank you. And then my son has a birthday party at two o'clock, and then my daughter has a birthday party at the exact same time. Plus, Ariella has another birthday party on Tuesday. So they have five birthday parties. Pardon me, four. I can't do simple math. They have four <laughs> birthday parties in the span of four days. Like it's wow. ridiculous. But three in one day, Drew. Like, I mean, you're, you're, you know, Super dad. I mean, have your kids ever had three birthday parties in one day? 
you know, my kids don't get invited to too many birthday parties because I'm so distasteful in true. public <laughs> that I know people just true. don't want to have anything to do no. with my Aaron children and Sam or me. Are awesome kids, they're very popular. As he, hold they, on, I know they get invited to. Birthday Let me interrupt. Stu has a very important question, Azzy, and I think you're going to have the very important answer for that. He said, Stu wants to know, is there a Saturday show next week? Of course, yes, there you, is. Why don't you explain what kind of Saturday well, show Stu, we'll it's have? The 15th anniversary special of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Our first show show ever was, of course, on Red River College Kick FM back on February 4th, 2009. So it's almost exactly 15 years minus a day. Yeah. Um, but we've got some fun things planned. We're not going to give it away yet. We're working on some things. We're working on some guests. We're going to keep it a surprise probably until a day or two maybe before the show. But yes, next, Febu next Saturday, February 3rd, we will be live on air for the 15th anniversary. That's a decade and a half. God help us. Time to change our intro. Oh. Time, time to disband this entire organization. Who cares about the intro? Oh, yeah, you're both fired next week. I forgot yeah, to say. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. That's how it's going to be. We're just going to end with just going to have like a like an Acme sort of a Looney Tunes dynamite thing that's just going to No, it'll, so, it'll sound something going. like this. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. <laughs> You're not actually doing a Manuka Moose Minute. No, no, I was just, I was just joking. Although I will say, hold on, the Moose are in action tonight against the Ice Ogs, and they are in critical need of uh, picking up a dub. So we'll see what happens. Maybe Thomas Milich gets the start. Uh, second one in a row it would be for the Jets. 2023 fifth rounder, but no, I'm not going to do Moose Minute right no. now. We will do it in the post game though, Drew, because I'll right. play two periods of in, in Rockford. So we'll have a little more insight as to what's going on there. And guys, I go. just got some breaking news from Naomi at the birthday party. She's saying that all the moms are talking about camp right now, summer camp. Uh, Drew knows what I'm talking about. It's January, oh, but well, we, uh, you already, already have to start about start thinking about uh, summer camp. So just an update from the birthday party that my kids are at. Apparently, a lot of moms talking talking about summer camp. Oh yeah, you had to start already. That 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 that's that is that is. There's a whole camp industrial pro uh, complex going on that you're a little behind the times good luck getting up to speed on that one there mr ginsburg uh big thanks to all of our sponsors they make this show a possibility our friends uh at rumors restaurant and comedy club calvin evans is at rumors tonight 715 show has a few tickets left 945 i believe is sold out a uh, grid park use code illegal curve to park for free our friends at linden market dental center zapia group realty betway they're the title sponsor of the post game show so you You'll see a lot of Betway later tonight. Our friends at Tough Duck for the hardest hitting comment. That'll be tonight. Boston Pizza. We had a great time there on Wednesday. The Seagram shot of the game. That's coming up later. Rollies transfer. They're still moving as his family is. He's got so much stuff. He doesn't even know what to do with. And of course, if you're looking for something to tip back tonight while enjoying the game or throughout the course of your weekend or even your midweek uh, libation, our illegal curve logger at Farmery Beer. You can pick that up at number two Donald Street or it's available on all of the delivery apps support these fine businesses because of their support of illegal curve hockey again later tonight the illegal curve post game show 845 give or take back here on the youtube channel illegalcurve.com updated all day long with your latest winnipeg jets manitoba moose news and audio 
If you haven't done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave us feedback on YouTube, leave us feedback on iTunes, leave us feedback on wherever you get your podcast edition of the show. We want to hear what you have to say about this broadcast. Big thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll see you again later tonight. For Dave Manouk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.